0: from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band YouTube. 2 Kiss the Future, new
1: documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount+, Plus to try it free. Terms apply.
2: Welcome to Composite Two-Star Recruits, a USC recruiting podcast with a couple of one-star hosts, Chris 10K Trevino and Gerard Hurricane Martinez. Part of the uscfootball.com podcast family, the Cilantro Boys talk about everything from commitment breakdowns, game analysis, old recruiting stories, and, of course, some unsubstantiated rumors. And now, here are your hosts, 18K and Gerald.
3: Welcome to Composite Two-Star Recruits Live Edition. I, I don't have any confirmation that we are actually live, so I might just be talking to myself and Gerard. And Ryan, our producers here. Um, thank you so much for joining us for another live episode. This might be our fourth one, third one. I'm not sure, but it's up there. Uh, people were demanding it. Gerard, aka Hurricane. I forgot to introduce you, but Gerard Martinez is right next to me. This is the first time we've done it side, side by side. And he's usually looking. He's actually. I'm used to facing this yep. way, and you're used to being over there. So this is we're going to get some taking used to. But Gerard. Help us out, help me
0: out We're good, we have a little bit of a delay So Chris is looking at the screen on YouTube going Okay, are we actually on or are we not on? And then Ryan's giving him the, the heads up Like, yeah, go ahead, talk So that was the uh, the great intro for our summer live show We usually do live shows for uh, the yeah, get, get closer Siny- to the microphone drawer Get a closer signing day live shows It's not going to really make a big oh Oh, no, it sounds oh. big. Yeah, there you go All right. Doesn't sound different in my ear So we're on location here uh, Casa del Cilantro, I think is, is, is what we're calling it, out in the middle of Cilantro the
3: Cilantro takeover.
0: And uh, the middle of the desert in summer, Ryan has dragged us out here to do a site summit, a uscfootball.com staff summit, which does not include the whole staff, just <laughs> us three. Uh, and uh, so we were talking shop and uh, decided to kill two birds of one stone and do a live recruiting podcast for you. And so this is it. We're on location. It's a little rough. We've never done it like this before. And so hopefully the audio, video issues will all be taken care of. And more than anything, we give you guys the information that you are looking for.
1: Yeah, and uh, I'm glad you guys could come out here to the desert. Uh, And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I won't be a big part of the show. I know you guys want to just hear the cilantro boys. Uh, But I just want to let you know, we had a little lunch here before. And I'm going to put this up on the screen if you're watching live on YouTube. If you're listening on uh, any of the podcast platforms, that's great. But we are doing this live on YouTube. You can watch the replay. Chris has a real girlfriend. I want to show. you. It's okay? Oh. It gotta pull the trigger, Chris. He's it's okay as he's doing it. Didn't do it yet. It's, it's not done. Okay, here it is. Um, well, no. We had lunch. Uh, Bubba's Bones and Brews, I think over here in Cathedral City. Uh, check it out. We had a good time, and uh, she's off going shopping and everything now. But yes, for those people that thought it was a mystery or a just a, a not true, he, it's true. Well, the, well,
3: well, now it's just going to turn into that's a paid actress that I hired to right, come probably. out here with me. So, yeah, there's there's a real person. So, yes, shout out to my girlfriend who's off shopping right now. But, yeah, I, did, <laughs> I didn't know that photo was going to go up, but here we are. <laughs> uh, uh, it's out there. Uh, so, now all the people in chat can uh, stop saying uh, real girlfriend with quotation marks. You can just say real. It did better when we could say Very real girlfriend Very No, it's a real thing I also didn't know That's what we're going to be Opening with On That's the cold open For the show Is that My uh, very real girlfriend Came out here For this side summit So Ryan said he's going To produce this show But But I'm going to uh, I'm going to make this Podcast break him Because If you are a fan Of this podcast You know we go long And our live shows Also go really long So I'm going to See how long it takes For Ryan to (laughs) tap out And just walk away, go make a margarita, just sit by the pool. Blender in the background or maybe a sliding
1: door open and a splashing of the pool. We know where Ryan is. Um, I will be probably checking out. I'm going to probably go to the pool. I'm going to definitely have a beer or margarita (laughs) or something. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put myself off the screen. If you guys are watching on YouTube and you guys can watch uh, Gerard and Chris, I will be monitoring the chat and I can put your comments and stuff up on the screen. We already have a, can you do a cha-ching there, Chris? uh um, yeah well that is on the, the pair style
3: one, one. Yeah. it's uh there i think i hope that came through i hope you can hear that let us know if you can hear
1: those uh sound effects yeah i'm gonna do it again uh, or, he says cheer towards chris's girlfriend's shopping spree so thanks to giovanni giovanni shout out my my guy we talk all the time
3: on dm and he's he's a parastyle member so shout out uh for the first dono nice. uh again we I really appreciate donations. The show, this show, has turned into like a donation show for whatever reason. I don't know why. Uh, We poor. We (laughs) it's because we look poor. We do not uh, solicit the donations, but we very much appreciate it. We are humbled and overwhelmed by them uh, because they stack up every show we do. So thank you for the donation. And the rule is, if you donate and ask question, we will. Ask it or we will answer it on the show, we'll assuming it to you. Ass, assuming it is, you know, appropriate to be asked on the yeah. show. But thank you so much for the, the initial donation. I wonder if there'll be a money bag sighting. We'll see. Moneybags Manford of the Manford collective. <laughs> he has been in every show uh that we've done live show, but um, people are still at work on the West Coast. I know a lot of the East Coast people had big smiles on their
0: faces when you announced this was gonna be at three o'clock and are like, well, that's perfect time. For me, this is the crowd that also Complains when i don't get the pe- i get the war room oh, in mean, the turnstile style by 4 30 a.m pacific time they're waiting they're,
1: like, they're itch- it's, waiting it's, it's, it's um why don't you have the war room up yet yeah. uh yes all it's- right well i'm gonna hand it over to you guys i will keep monitoring the chat uh but they're they'll just you got the cilantro boys on the screen and uh, you guys enjoy so
0: take it away chris what are we talking about this week it's going to be a big show we have a lot to talk about. We're just coming off one of the biggest recruiting weekends of USC football history.
3: Right, we are coming off the Golden Hour, oh, and if you remember, <laughs> if you if you remember the Golden Hour last year was obviously, as Gerard mentioned, the biggest. USC Recruiting Weekend there ever was. And then they decided to do it again and do it bigger. And they did a little bit more, set the bar really high last year, and then just push it a little bit further in 2023. So we're going to get into that. And USC also got two commitments off that, two public commitments is what I should say, two public commitments off the Golden Hour. So we're going to lead with that in our cold open and recap the Golden Hour. Recap what's going on for visitors this weekend for, you know, the final weekend of June and there's some other stuff going on. We have Elite 11 recap. OT7 uh, was in this weekend. Uh, we are, we are going to talk about Taylor Tatum. I know everyone is uh, frantic about that and the the latest that's happened because a lot has happened over the last week. So we're definitely going to get into that. We have a whole bunch of listener questions. And we do have a voicemail from Eddie, I'm told, that has been loaded up. So, Eddie, uh, he, he's very happy that we'll be finally hearing his voice on this podcast once again. But before We get into all that. Obviously, I just need to do a quick shout out to the official sponsor of the Composite Two Star Recruits. You know her. You love her. That's Meredith Schlosser, the number one real estate agent in Los Angeles with over $600 million in sales. Talk about Lincoln Riley closing Meredith Schlosser closes as well. You can learn more about her and her full service team at www.meredithschlosser.com. That is S-C-H-L-O-S-S-E-R. And check out her business Instagram at Meredith Real Estate to see all the postings, the listings, all the deals she has going on. And that's at Meredith Real Estate on Instagram. Give her a follow. So Gerard, now that we're through all that, are you ready to get to our cold open which traditionally is always going to be a commitment
0: traditionally it's the (laughs) most important thing to talk about it's not necessarily rocket science i mean the most important thing to talk about is usc's latest commitments and this summer has been a big summer for them thus far remember starting the month of june number 57 in the nation right nationally and
3: this past weekend they broke into the top 10, Chris. They are officially at the number 10 spot with 12 commitments now in the fold. Do you want to go by the latest or do you want to go in order that they have? Let's go by the latest. The latest. Obviously, the latest one that just happened is Jason Zandamella. You might not be familiar with him. You might be familiar with him, but he's an interior offensive lineman from Clearwater Academy International in Clearwater, Florida. Six foot three, 285 pounds a consensus four-star recruit. I know USC fans love to hear that, especially when it is about an offensive line prospect, number 62 overall prospect in the 24-7 sports rankings, number two interior offensive lineman, number 112 in the 24-7 sports composite, number six interior offensive lineman by the composite rankings. And this is a big one because USC was looking for a center prospect, and that is exactly what Jason Zandamella is. It was down to him and Devin Brooks. Those were kind of the top two on the board for Josh Henson. And then, lo and behold, Devin Brooks, scheduled to come for an official visit. Boom, he pops for Oregon. So that left Jason on the board as the number one guy for Josh Henson. And if you know, Josh Henson is a uh, center whisperer. That is his expertise. That is what he is known for. He is a center whisperer. That is what he's known for. He is known for developing centers. Did so with Brett Nealon. Did so with Justin Dietrich and is going to do so with Justin Dietrich. And Justin Dietrich raved about just working with him in that short time when Brett Nealon went down and Justin was working for the the Cotton Bowl. And he's like, I've learned like so much just in like two months of working with him. So you can imagine what that looks like over the course of a year. So Josh Henson got Micah Benuelos last season. Jason Zandamella is now the center for the 2024 class. He is a very interesting prospect, and Gerard will break it down a little bit more. He is an international prospect. He comes from Mozambique. So he is actually the second international prospect in USC's class, along with Manasseh Etite, who comes from the Republic of Congo. So two prospects from the continent of Africa are in this class for USC, so very unique. But Jason Zandamella. Is a kind of a raw prospect, hasn't played football that long, but he's developed very, very quickly. Gerard, this is a big one for USC's 2024 class and their O-line haul so far.
0: Yeah, very interesting. It definitely was a bit like last year, where we came into the summer and USC had two specific targets at the center position. You had Michael Benuelos and then you had Landon Hatchet. And Benuelos came in first. But he was going to take that visit to Oregon the last week. And that last week they brought in Landon Hatchett. It was one of those things where you knew USC had Benuelos ranked a little higher on their board, but they needed to have a potential backup plan. And this year it was Devin Brooks that took that visit to Oregon the week before. And we talked about this on the podcast. Is he going to come back
3: <laughs> from yeah.
0: Oregon uncommitted? Oregon did a good job, locked him down. He was very high on USC, I think, very easily. Possibly if USC would have got him in on the first week, maybe we're talking about Devin Brooks being the center commit for USC in the 2014—2024 the 2024 class, excuse me. Uh, but instead, they get Jason Zandemelo, who is ranked uh, consensus-wise higher than Devin Brooks. Interestingly, he plays center uh, for Clearwater International. So it's not necessarily one of those things where, you know, in a lot of situations with centers, you're looking at an offensive lineman that's playing somewhere else on the line. And sometimes it's even offensive tackles. Devin Brooks is actually a right tackle in high school. And so with Jason Zanimentel, he's playing the center position right now. One of the interesting things talking to his coach, he actually came to the United States Never having played football, didn't really know much about football, didn't know the rules about football. He played rugby and soccer in in Zimbabwe, or excuse me, Mozambique, and came to the point where when he got to Clearwater International, they had to teach him how to get into a stance. They had to teach him about the position he was going to play. When they said, hey, we want you to come in and play guard. He didn't know what a guard was. They don't have guards in soccer, European football. And so he didn't know anything about the position. He didn't know anything about the sport. They had to teach him literally from the ground up. Now his brother, his older brother, had already gone to Clearwater International, and that's why he decided to come along with him and, and saw that there was great opportunity there from an academic standpoint if you could play football. So he came in and learned to play football his freshman year. He ends up starting as a guard his sophomore year and talking to the coaching staff there, uh, that's the quickest anybody. And they've had quite a few international players. Lucas Simmons was an international player from Sweden who played off to tackle. USC recruited him last year, ends up signing with Florida state. A lot of people assume that maybe Jason Zandemelo was going to go to Florida state because he had uh, Lucas Simmons there as a teammate, but with Miller, this is even a different kind of story in terms of the progression that he's made as a player over the past few years. And so he actually was able to start as a sophomore in high school, and then they had a needed center, so they decided to shift him over. Now, one of the interesting things that I've always talked about on various different podcasts that we've had is that what a lot of coaches really like about for center prospect, one of the, the physical features that they want in their profile is long arms. And it's kind of an odd thing. But the center prospects that Josh Henson has looked at have been very sort of prototypical uh, profile type centers. In other words, they're kind of shorter. Uh, They're in that 6'3 range, 6'2 range or not the 6'5, 300 pound centers, which sometimes you see those guys get recruited that he likes guys that are a little more sought off, but the thing about Jason Zendamella, even though he's only six three, two eighty-five, he's got a six eleven wingspan. His older brother is six seven. So there's potential he still grows, but he has those long arms. And, and that's really just from an evaluation standpoint, the ability to be able to snap the ball and potentially have a Mike linebacker or safety firing up the A gap and getting a paw on him. You know, you're not necessarily going to block him and stop him, but at least slow that pass rusher down, that blitzer coming straight up the middle. So, I mean, you're going to have your hands full with whoever's lined up across from you or in that one shade. And then you're potentially going to have somebody rushing that B-gap and getting right in your quarterback's face. So just being able to get your hands out there and be able to, to, to get a paw on that guy and slow that pass rush down is really big. And obviously just having long arms from a hiking standpoint is also important. But I think – The fact that he was able to come to the United States and didn't know anything about football and be able to start as a sophomore on an offensive line, which had multiple D1 prospects, guys that signed very places like, uh, you know, obviously you had Lucan Simmons, but you also had a right tackle. I think that ended up signing with Minnesota. Uh, You had quite a few guys on that line that ended up being D1 prospects. So he broke in to that starting lineup having just a couple years ago never even really heard of what a guard position was. So from that standpoint, I mean, kind of miraculous, to be to be perfectly honest with you, that he's playing at this level, but still shows that, A, he has – the, the mental capability to be able to absorb everything. Playing the center position is also a very cerebral position because you've got to make all those calls on the offensive line. And that's very difficult. So it's kind of being the quarterback of the offensive line. You're looking at your pass protection. You're looking at any possible blitzes. You have to make all kinds of different calls from that standpoint. And then the actual physical of getting used to playing football and having pads on and, and a helmet. And so it, it's – pretty miraculous just the uh transformation he's made both physically and mentally to be able to play this game
3: at this level and it's going to be interesting to see how much more of a ceiling that he has. Gerard, I have a bunch of things that have happened since oh. you started that uh no 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 commitments don't worry. I, we do have <laughs> a plus No no, we do have a bunch of questions like I retweeted uh Darian Mayo, the 6 foot 7 uh good counsel edge rusher. He tweeted some uh USC stuff. And I retweeted and everyone's asking, did he commit? Did he commit? No, he did not commit. He was just showing off a little bit from his visit, some of the, the video they made for them and some of the phone. And we've
0: trying to get him on the phone, Brian Doon as well, our East Coast uh, Recruiting Analyst at 24-7 Sports. Uh, he and Jalen Harvey, and just getting them for like a full interview, <laughs> how the visit went. And uh, we're still trying to do that. So, I mean, it's good to, to hear that he's live. You know, he made it back from the trip, from the yacht. <laughs> nobody
3: nobody, nobody, nobody fell off. Nobody nobody did anything like that. We also have three more donations uh, that have come in since you started. Nice. Uh speaking about Jason Thank uh, you very much. Giovanni yeah. came back in uh with another 9 $9.99 donation. I'm up to $20 up on money bags. Hashtag all oh, ego. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he wants to get in a pissing contest with Moneybags Manfred, which I don't know. If we your don't buy Moneybags for no reason. A part of, <laughs> it's Moneybags Manfred of the Manfred Collective these days. I don't know if anyone's pockets are deep enough to run with him, but Giovanni asks, I'm up 20 on Moneybags. Hashtag all ego. One real question this time, what will our commit class look like come kickoff on eight twenty six? And before we can answer that question, Moneybags Manford then jumped in and said uh, he gave a $10 donation. Thank you for the kind words on yesterday's podcast because we shouted him out, me and Ryan on the peristyle. And then he came back with a $20 donation. Welcome to the live show, Giovanni. Fight <laughs> on. So I, I think it's just a little bit <laughs> – he's like, oh, oh, we're playing uh, – we want to perk out the checkbook now. So, okay. So he dropped 20 in there. So going back to Giovanni's question, what will our commit class look like come kickoff? Eight twenty-six. From a number standpoint, you mean the projection of or – Yeah, let's go with numbers and maybe like positions. They're 10 right now at 12. Yeah. You know, I think the range you wanted was like 18 to 20. Is that no, – No, no, no. that's
1: too much? No, that was uh, last
0: year. That Remember was, we were we were talking about what's the over under in terms of where they would be in you were, I think sixteen
3: and you ended up being I almost got there yeah we ended up being I 17. was like one yeah I was like one short yeah
0: and I was at twenty I think and then I backed it off to like eighteen and we ended up sort of you know being in the middle of that uh, no I think you know we were looking at a dozen to fourteen probably coming out of the summer and that obviously seemed like such a mountain to climb going into June and you had three. <laughs> yeah. Verbal commitments. You're going, where are these commitments going to come from? Well, they came from Cameron Fountain. Uh, they came from places that were unexpected like Manese attete, And so, yeah, they have gotten to the point where, yeah, you're looking at probably, you know, 14, 15 guys. Um, I think they've really been aggressive in trying to get this offensive line class sorted out. I mean, they have made uh, some rocket ship decisions. That, you know, maybe there's some guys that would be lingering around in September and what have you. And they said, you know what? We like the players we could potentially get right here and right now. So I think last week I said it's, you know, a a bird in hand is better better than a bigger bird in the bush. God, try to say that
3: fast five times. A bird in the hand is better than a bigger bird bird in in the the bush. bush. Yeah, that's the saying you were trying to figure out three weeks ago. Trying to try, try, try figure out a
0: way like to, to, to make that sound a little better. But nevertheless, like that's sort of what they've looked at as, as offensive line class. They've looked at the guys that they, they like now. They're bringing in during the summer. If they can get all the commits during the summer, then they'll go with that group. They're not going to wait around for anybody to kind of linger into Dece- maybe September, maybe the season. Um, I think they could have probably pushed and still gotten some commitments from some offensive linemen Later, But they have definitely said, you know what, we have a good feeling about the potential, you know, four or five guys we're going to get now. Let's just go push for it. So I I think from that standpoint, you're going to see the offensive line class done. I think you're going to see probably the receiver class done as well. Um, They're really looking to take three. I'm sure we'll get into this as we start to break down the visitors because you had all those wide receivers on campus last weekend uh, for USC, the the sort of A group that they want to have. But I think that's going to get done for sure. Doesn't look like they're going to take a quarterback in the 2024
3: class, at least as it stands right now. If you talk to Walter Matthews, (laughs) he does not believe they're going to uh, take a quarterback. That's what he said. Yeah. So – We'll see how that plays out. The other thing I forgot to mention, can you say where Devon or yeah, Devin Brooks is for one more time because I love the way you say it. Calakamas. Calakamas. Yeah, I
0: liked it too. Well, I'm gonna be sad about that one. I'm sad about that and Mythlothian. <laughs> Midlothian. I don't have my great mic that Ryan bought me, this great little uh, Logitech mic, which gives me the ability to ASMR. But um yeah, Midlothian was was just I thought that was awesome. I thought that sounded so great with Troy. It just, you know, kinda went along. So Calakamas and Midlothian are off the table. Off the table.
3: As it stands. As it stands, yes.
0: But yeah, I mean you're 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 looking at at a lot of these positions getting sewn up. Now, defensive line, that's going to go into the fall, right? You're not even going to see Jericho Johnson on campus for an official visit until the fall. Uh, he does sort of have USC penciled in, and he likes USC a lot. I think USC is in a very good position with him. Uh, I haven't spoken to him since the end of, or beginning of the summer, uh, but going into the summer, asking him just about you know his official visits and whether he was going to take one to USC uh, during the summer. He was no, I'm I'm, I'm going to take one during the season. Try to catch a game, see what the defense looks like, but very very complimentary of USC. Raved about his unofficial visit. Uh, during uh, the spring where he was down here and he just uh, he sounded like he was ready to to shoot up for USC right then and there. So um, he's a guy that you're going to have to kind of look at and continue to to recruit and we'll continue to kind of cover his recruitment as you go into the fall. Um, I think Aiden Breland's going to make a decision here before the start of the season, but I don't think that decision is necessarily going to shut down his recruitment completely. The five-star out of modern day. Um, I think, you know, defensive line, there's going to still be some other players out there. And obviously for USC, the transfer portal has been very good to them on the defensive line. And as I've said before, that position caters itself to the transfer portal. I mean, you can plug and play guys so easily from the defensive line. There's not a lot that you need to know schematically to be able to play defensive line play immediately. So if you've got a guy that just physically can come in and get upfield, he's going to be able to play. And so, you know, that's a position that I know that's going to be tempting to to go into the transfer portal. The only thing is you never know if you're going to
3: have high quality players in the portal. You know, that's always sort of a little bit of a, a guessing game. Absolutely. Uh, a couple things from the chat. Uh, Anthony uh, is his birthday. So he was asked for a birthday shout out. Happy so birthday, when uh producer Ryan comes back, maybe we can throw that up on the big okay. screen. The we have some for, ba- uh, for birthdays. Yeah, too. I'm not working the board today like I've done usually. So that's uh producer Ryan today. So, so he's already up and walking around. He's <laughs> over it. He's writing messages on things. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> so he's going to be coming, checking in and out, in and out, in and out. But yes, Jason Zandamela, we're bringing it back to the offensive line. I feel like uh, Justin Didich and Brett Nelan were both guys who played center position in high school. Like, they were their centers for their team, even though I know Justin Didich at one point played all five positions in one single high school game. Yeah. But I believe those were two guys who did play uh, strictly or mainly center in their senior years. That was. just
0: remember if Brett did – keep remember about Brett. I know Justin did for sure, which again, it was – it is kind of rare. A lot of guys are converted to that position. I yeah. think the joke going around Clearwater International, because Jason Zandamilla's brother, 6'7, is, uh, you know, he's either going to be the tallest center in college football or he's going to be the shortest offensive tackle in college football because he has the athleticism the and the film. arms. Yeah, the, the long arms. But the thing that you watch on film, which stood out to me immediately, about him is the pin and pull that they kind of showcase in his film, which is Pulling from the center position, you don't see that a whole lot. That's you takes a lot of quickness to be able to snap that ball, get out of your stance, and get moving across the offensive line to be able to block. Whether you're going over to the C gap or you're actually kicking it all the way out to the hash mark, so you know that shows his quickness, that shows his flexibility, his uh, his fluidity, and his hips to be able to to kind of get out of that stance and get going. Um, so yeah, he's uh, a guy that at least he has that feel for the center position. And while he's still raw and he still has a lot of football ahead of him, he's already getting into it. And I think the coaches at Clearwater International did him a real solid in doing that, you know, in terms of his ultimate position down the line uh, where you would have a guy like Devin Brooks, which, you know, is playing right tackle and does a great job. I mean, he's got great film. And like I said, I don't think there's a big gap between Devin Brooks and Jason Zandamilla, but you do have one playing right tackle that school level and you do have one already playing center so there would be a little more of a transition from Denver brooks at least from that standpoint obviously not from the standpoint of never having
3: seen or really played football that time you got in the high school and now with uh zanamella in the fold that gives usc three commitments for josh henson and this o-line class that is him jason zanamella manassas etite uh out of uh Sacramento, uh, Modesta, Modesto, Modesto, so Central Catholic, and then Hayden Tr- Treader. Treater. We still haven't gotten like a firm competition yeah, <laughs> We yeah, that's our uh, our bad. But six foot six, three hundred and twenty pounds plays uh, interior for his high school team. So maybe an interior, maybe a a, a right guard or right tackle. Excuse me, at the next level, kind of an Andrew Voorhees kind of vibe. So definitely building up the interior. For USC's uh second wave under Josh Henson, but a really good athletic group with some guys that, you know, are a little bit raw with uh Tite and zandamella guys you will have to, you know, work with, but a lot of like really good physical attributes, which is what you want in your O line selections. You want guys that you can project well, you know, that can put on more weight, that you have you look at the measurables, long arms, uh, long legs, stuff like that, that you want to be able to, okay, get them in a get them in a college weight room, get them on a nutrition program, and then we can develop them. So really good-looking class right now. Two consensus four-stars, which is I feel like the most they've had since like, I don't know, 2017. Yeah, consensus, yes. Yeah, so it's been a while since they've gotten some guys like that rolling in and they broke that drought with uh, uh, Elijah Page last season. So now it looks like it's going to you know become the standard where they're getting high-end, blue-chip kind of offensive linemen and then some guys you can kind of build up like a Hayden Treader, uh, Tobias Raymond, those those guys that are really good uh, body and frames that you can just develop and put weight on them and and see what they turn into down the line. But you want to get those blue chips in there. You want to get guys who are high fo- four stars out of uh, out of high school. And Zendenmella, I will say, going back when I was looking at his offer story, he's actually risen in the in the rankings quite a bit. He was n- near down the bottom, like one eighty, one fifty, and now he's top one hundred at sixty two for our ranking. So he is a prospect
0: to lucas simmons was kind of like that he he started out low i mean these are international kids so they are raw and they have not played a whole lot of football and in Jason Zanamilla's case no football at all before he came to the united states and so um this whole journey for him has been very academic driven and i think his commitment to usc had a lot to do with it his father is still back in mozambique and you know this is all about son give yourself an opportunity for life later on this is not a four year decision it's a forty year decision and his case is very much true you know he wants to have that opportunity uh in this country uh, to have a a great job and a great career and so you have to understand that these are not people these are not a family that have watched football and look at football as this uh, this vehicle to become a multimillionaire, like maybe American kids have, uh, it's really more like, okay, well that, that sounds great. You know, that's, that's amazing if that happens, but you know what we can do, we can get a great college degree. And that's the thing that's going to happen right here, right now. That's the more tangible thing for them. And so, um, you know, Jason Anamela picking USC had a lot to do with the academic side of things, And uh, a lot of people, I think, you know, made some assumptions about him going to Florida State because of Lucas Simmons. But, you know, for Jason, he wants to be an entrepreneur, he's going to take part in the. Entrepreneur program at USC, part of the business school. And um, he's just excited to have that opportunity. So, uh, you know, the travel, uh, the maturity factor obviously leaving Africa and, and coming to the United States and, and not knowing the sport at all and just knowing that, hey, his brother went to Clear Water Academy International and uh, was able to get a great education out of it. And uh, that value in it of itself was enough
3: to bring Jason to the United States. Anything else you want to add about Jason before we move on? to our next commitment that came in earlier this week.
0: We will have a a full sort of breakdown um, evaluation and maybe some little behind the scenes talking to his coaches a little bit about him because there is a very interesting story with him. uh, Just the uh, a miracle sort of uh, t- progression that he's made since he's come to the States and, and playing uh, this position and some some interesting things just that his coach had to say about him. But uh, no, I mean, we can uh, get to talking about like the guy that's almost the exact opposite from that standpoint, Marcellus Williams, who knew everything about USC before he committed, has been a football
3: fan since, you know, he was an infant, uh, kind of the exact opposite from Jason Zanemelo. Yeah, Marcellus Williams, St. John Bosco cornerback out of Bellflower, California. Another consensus four star prospect, a top 100 consensus prospect in Marcellus. 5'11, 185 pounds, number 55 overall prospect, number seven cornerback in the 247 sports rankings, uh, number 73 overall, and the number nine cornerback in the 247 sports composite. And this has been a super, super long recruitment obviously since max williams became a trojan he is the youngest brother of max williams usc's redshirt senior safety and a starter last year at the uh strong safety uh former nickel starter so moving him all around but marcellus as we've talked about has had a long long recruiting process because he's the youngest of two division one brothers and mason williams who's at arizona state and max was at usc so there's been a lot of hype and build around marcellus who max williams would tell you he tweeted out you know marcellus is the best of these williams brothers he is the tallest he is the longest and he is at st john bosco was on their national championship team last year play for that defense as their number one corner uh, had offers from usc oklahoma ucla alabama arizona michigan so 30 plus offers for this kid was going around the country, taking a bunch of visits. You know, we felt Ohio State was a contender really early. And then it kind of whittled down to USC, Oklahoma, and then UCLA, excuse me, the only three official visits that he took uh, during the summer process, UCLA being first, then Oklahoma, and then he finished out with USC on this golden hour trip and then, you know, tweeted out during his visit, you know, Father, I got a surprise for you and he's going to make a commitment on Father's Day, which no, was Sunday, I don't think it was a surprise, Chris. Well, well not a not a, <laughs> yes, not a not a surprise, but just something he wanted to do for his dad and make a commitment on Sunday. And I believe he did it Sunday morning while they were at Crypto uh, mm-hmm. Arena for their like the uh, the breakfast which they did last year as well. So, made a commitment there. I believe his dad posted a video of it, but another Big local get for Dante Williams. Are we? Could we say it's a Dante Williams revenge tour? A little bit, you know, a little bit. So him, <laughs> excuse me, him and Dakota Fields, the two of the top three uh, cornerback prospects in California. Xavier Brown being the other one. So maybe there's an outside ch- chance that Dante gets all three of those guys, the top three local cornerbacks. But a very good one-two combo right now with Marcellus. You know, it's 5'11", 185, and then Dakota, who's six foot. To, you know 185 pounds as well so a nice variety that Dante Williams has added for this class
0: yeah certainly very different body types uh different players at cornerback when you're talking about Dakota and Marcellus uh, but we were wrong
3: Chris we we have to we have to say this out front we were wrong I have no ego I'm a one star I have no ego <laughs>
0: We were wrong quarterans Marcellus Williams was a Trojan at birth there was no way Anyone was ever going to convince him to go other to a, to another school? Uh, Chris and I both felt like dude, that wasn't the case. That you know there was some some stretches during his recruitment where he was frustrated with the defense and perhaps the player development, and that he could go somewhere else. Does that include Clay Helton? If he was still <laughs> the right. Clay Helton could have been the defensive coordinator, and he would have committed to USC anyway. So. Interesting.
3: Okay. <laughs> there.
0: But uh, nevertheless, uh, Greg says, uh, no, he was locked in all along. Uh, you guys were uh, feeding into the drama that that Marcellus was trying to create with the recruiting process. Uh, but nevertheless, he is now a Trojan officially, and he is opposite of Dakota Fields. And, you know, the first question that comes up okay, who plays boundary corner? Who plays field corner? And I think Dakota is hard to pin down because. Yes, he's tall and he's long and the more bigger physical corners you tend to put in the boundary, there's less field there that you have to work with and they can kind of bully receivers with the press a little more. But Dakota is also a track guy. I mean, he has some decent track times behind him and I think with Marcellus – Although he's not as big and as long, he is more physical, and mm-hmm. he's not necessarily uh, a long-speed guy. So I think there's some debate there as to if you're actually putting either of those guys on the field side. The field side is where you need to have the guy that can run the ten eight, the 10-7, who's got the long speed, who's got the quickness and the agility uh, to be able to play in open space because you've got more field. So it's just dependent on what USC wants to do. If they want to have some travel with their cornerbacks and put their best cornerback on the best receiver – or they want to actually play field side, boundary side. We'll see how it goes in terms of personnel and and what they have. They definitely have an incredibly physical cornerback room right now. I mean, you're adding Trey Figgins there. Uh, You already have Sierra Wright. You have a lot of six foot plus cornerbacks on the roster, and that's going to help a lot with the RPO. Uh, Quarterbacks these days end up finding themselves having to contain the run a lot more than they ever did because You know The RPO is just an extension of the running game behind the line of scrimmage with these little tunnel screens and these little bubble screens that they run. And you're going to have to take on a lot of blockers. You're going to have receivers out there. Sometimes you might have a tight end that you have to kick out out there. And all of a sudden, your cornerback is taking on an actual tight end instead of a smaller, small receiver, right? So you have to have guys that are a little more physical these days when you play against those type of teams that play very laterally in the passing game. So uh, I think with uh, Marcellus Williams, you get a guy that uh, certainly Initially could probably play a little bit of nickel as well. He is very smart. He's very technical. And Greg actually predicted out of that group uh, that I mentioned that he could be better than all those players. And he has the ability uh, to really put it all together. Obviously, he's he's bigger and he's faster than Max Williams. But does he have those intangibles that Max Williams does? Because if he does, if he actually pieces all that together, then I could see where Greg's prediction might turn
3: out to be 100% spot on because we've seen Max Williams do things as a great football mind and player. Just not – obviously he's smaller. He's not as fast as a lot of guys, but just a great football player and makes good football plays.
0: It's inexplicable sometimes, <laughs> the things that he can do. Two ACLs. You know, Max is 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 got to be an inspiration to a lot of guys in that locker room. I, I hope he is because he does everything right and the work that he puts in, and not being you know the biggest or fastest guy. So certainly, if Marcellus is able to do some of that with more. Physical attributes, more tangibles behind him, I think that could be fantastic uh, for USC. And again, you know, Greg Biggins was very complimentary of him. Salt of the earth cake, as uh, Greg talked about him. Um, but in terms of just being able to go and make an impact, also felt like, you know, of the, the cornerbacks that USC had, that he could be better than any of those guys. So, going to be very interesting. We talked about. USC needing to get one out of those three local cornerbacks coming into the summer. That, you know, maybe it was a low bar to set, but I felt like the way they were looking, there was a possibility they might be able to get somebody from out of state and, and pair them. And then you have that sort of nickel quasi safety position. You know, at this point, it looks like they could take three cornerbacks. Are they going to take three safeties on top of that? I mean, that kind of remains to be seen. I think it depends. On who's available, you know, is Peyton Woodyard back in the fold? Is he going to stay committed to Georgia? I guess we could talk about that a little bit later. Um, but in terms of what's available and what you have, certainly with Zabian still out there, he's going to take that official visit to Alabama this weekend. That, I, the feel is Alabama's lead school. God
3: bless you. Excuse me, it's live.
0: Uh, that might be one of – the this, this kind of might be the weekend where we kind of figure out whether USC is uh, a real player for, for Xavier Brown. You know, a lot of people thought before the summer it was Ohio State, it was Alabama, USC was playing way behind that group. And now it's a little more like, well, maybe USC is actually pulled ahead of Ohio State and it's more of an Alabama-USC battle. So we'll see if they get all three. I mean, that is the Dante Williams revenge tour for sure. But I think getting these two uh, wrapped up is, is, is huge. I think that, you know, now that you have those two guys, you have a great base to work from. And, uh, you know, we can't overlook the fact that they did bring in Traquan Figgins already uh, in the spring
3: couple things. One is a quick story about Marcellus Williams. One of the first moments, because I've known him for a long time, obviously, covering Max, and he was always around. Sarah practices. Uh, his dad, Big Max, introduced me when he was like, felt like he was just a baby. But he's been around a lot. But one defining moment I remember him is that he was at a... He suited up with the premium team, the 7-on-7 team that Max used to play for. And he was on the team like as like a 7th grader, 6th grader, and then one time, they just put him out there for a rep against high school guys, and he played coverage well. He did not give up the pass and everyone went crazy for him on the sideline. <laughs> so Marcellus has always been obviously that young guy around older guys.
0: Literally the exact opposite of <laughs> James. <laughs> I like like, you, I mean, really, it was a great transition because they're literally, when you talk about experience and being around the game, almost yeah. complete opposite.
3: He's just been around it his whole life and always been, you know, the, the young guy that was brought up by older players, more developed players, because he's obviously younger. Yep. So he's always been ready for the moment and always, you know, had to compete against older guys. And he, he loved doing that. So he's tailor-made to be like a number one cornerback. He has that kind of mindset. Uh, number two, we have over 400 people uh, tuned in live at like a 3 p.m. on a Wednesday. Uh, can I just get your reaction to that? We have how many people? Over 400. Cool. Awesome. Thank you guys for leaving. <laughs> so, I've decided to uh
0: Or avoiding work. <laughs> avoiding work. watching a, a YouTube video uh for four hours during work probably not gonna keep you employed. Um yeah. but uh thank you anyways, and uh for those who are off work and just chilling after work, hey, welcome to uh, the show and uh hope you guys are all subscribed to the Peristyle. So I see you on the other side when we're in those threads, knee deep and bickering about uh you know Taylor Tatum and whether uh, baseball is the ultimate thing that's going to get him committed to a school
3: are we going to get are we going uh, to tater tater tatum as as he's known around these parts the other thing is we have 85 likes so far on this video if we can get to 247 if we can get to 247 i will make a little special announcement about Uh-oh. something for this show moving forward that i think you guys will be very excited for so Two hundred forty-seven likes. I think we could do that with over four hundred people watching. So, give us a like You're on there. Such a
0: millennial. Wow. Ryan and I just
3: never ever think in this way. Hey, what are you talking? He does all the like and subscribe stuff before the, every podcast. You, you gamify it in such a way. You make it competitive, it's some great. people like gamified stuff. <laughs> I, you, you're a gamer. You should know this. You should, <laughs> you should be a part been, of that. Like, you know, this I'm not EA charging for stuff. I'm not saying, you know, buy bits so you can give us bits or whatever. I'm not doing that. I just just give us a like. That's all I ask. And look, we're already over 100. It's, it's, it, look, it's working. You know why? It's because I'm making great eye contact with camera. <laughs> He's making great eye contact it's with right the already. camera. The other thing I wanted to add, uh, Marcellus Williams did come off his Oklahoma visit into this USC visit, and then... He while he was on the USC visit, he tweeted out a photo of the Orange Bowl trophy from USC's uh, infamous win oh, over Oklahoma. Yeah, that's right. Ignorance or trolling? I
2: with him and
0: trolling, he probably has a pretty good idea of that double nickel and
3: uh, and and what it signified post <laughs> Oklahoma visit. Yeah, I think so. How do we feel about just in general Oklahoma using? the Heismans in their, their, their photo shoots, the Lincoln Riley Heismans. Oh
0: uh, no. I mean,
3: those are Oklahoma Heismans. I it? know, but just, just so much bad blood
0: about it. Yeah, and it's like With much more of a cringe moment when they went back and had that ceremony for Kyler Murray and it was a Heisman ceremony thing that they did for Kyler Murray in the middle of last season. And it was right around the time where Caleb Williams was in the Heisman run or whatever, and I was like, what? Why are you doing this now? Like, Kyler Murray won it how many years ago? Like, it just didn't make – it It really
3: was just like, hey, uh, we have Heisman Trophy winners too. Caleb, don't worry about Caleb. Don't look at Caleb. Don't look look over there. Don't look at the West Coast. Okay, that is pretty much going to wrap the Colt open for us with the commitments. Anything else you want to add about Marcellus? Do you want to go in a golden hour? Um. Or should we talk about Taylor Tatum? I feel like the 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 message board or the the chat right now really wants us to pivot to Taylor Tatum. So I'm going to let you decide. Or maybe the chat will go crazy, uh, telling us what they want us to talk about right now. But anything else on Marcellus? You need to add?
0: No, no. I think uh, you know we've talked about Marcellus quite a bit. um, You know, over the course of the year, and certainly was a big local get for USC. Uh, one of the other things I talked to Greg Biggins about. Um, and, you know, you know, Greg and I don't share the opinion on everything, but I thought it was interesting when you know I asked him, is this sort of USC turning the corner with local recruiting? Is this USC turning the corner at Bosco, which maybe more importantly for Trojan fans has been a place where it's just been an empty well. And, and they want to build that pipeline because Bosco's had so many tremendous players that have come through the program the past, you know, really like five, six years. And he felt like, hmm, this is more a Marcellus Williams thing. You know, Marcellus was going to to, to, to Servite. If he was going to Sarah, if he was going to another skill, he would still end up a Trojan. Uh, he said that, uh, you know, with Kingston, Beliamuasa. And uh, Peyton Woodyard, that would be bigger in terms of getting a player from Bosco that you really had to fight for and you sort of showed that you turned the corner with Bosco players. Um, in terms of locally, yeah, USC's doing well locally. They, they've improved somewhat, but he still felt like the big fish were out there. And, and talking about Kingston, talking about Peyton, also talking about Xavier Brown, like that would be a gigantic commitment for USC to be able to get, you know, one of those big modern-day guys And that would sort of signify maybe real established uh, USC local recruiting. But then Greg also had the opinion that USC doesn't have to really build that wall and that fence that you go after the best players, period. And while I agree with that, I think you do go after the best players, period. I think there is a consistency and there's a model that you have to approach with recruiting, and it has to start at home. And if you have a bunch of good players and you know consistency,
3: here we go. Okay. Yeah. We're okay. Good. We're we're live. I guess. Maybe. Are we back? Is we're there back. chat? We're back. Chat, Are We back. Jack is. Chat is not back yet. But chat. chat, chat is.
1: is audio. Nice.
3: Okay. Populate. Okay. We're we're going. We're going <laughs> through new channel. Uh, uh, producer Ryan fired. Kind of in the doghouse <laughs> right now, but <laughs> if he could reach, retwe- if he could tweet out the link, uh, we're back. Uh, turn the audio up. Turn it up. We used to
0: have Lindsay Theory and I audio up on Scout a Turn It Up recruiting podcast. Did you know that, Chris? Oh, what Turn It Up? I think it was called Turn It Up recruiting podcast.
3: Like on a Thursday. Uh, we're moving in. I don't. I, we're okay, good.
0: Okay. I. I. Oh, oh, oh my gosh! No, that's too. You're pushing this too close to Kevin. Oh, we have to go through here.
1: Well, no, you're the, still using that for your the recording. Oh, oh for the
3: recording? Okay. All
1: right. All to record right. The
3: so podcast. this is for a recording, Professional. but we're talking to that mic. Professional. That's better than nothing, I, I guess. I, I'm flabbergasted, so I'm going to try to project as much as I can just because uh, – which uh, is not his forte, folks. Yeah, it's not my forte. What happened? I don't know what quite happened. Uh, the audio cut out. Uh, maybe Brett Venables, uh hacked the, the thing. Ryan was just in the pool or something, and he came back, and it was just uh... – <laughs> Yes, as someone pointed out, this is why we call it a two-star composite podcast. Uh, one-star host. No star, producer. No, it's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It, it's... No, there's only two stars. It's it's only two stars. Split yeah, it gets split evenly. Uh, we have to start all over. So there was over 400 people. And there was actually like 142 people that were just still chilling in the old old links, so we appreciate those people that are still <laughs> on We have 155 likes. I have to start over. We'll probably never get to the 247 <laughs> like we initially uh, started. One-star mics. Yes, I know. This is These mics are for show at this point. This is just for the recording. One, th- this is for the playback. So if you actually catch this on playback,
0: the audio will be better. But right now, live, evidently from what Ryan is saying, you're getting audio from Chris's beat-up iPhone... <laughs> 07 or whatever
3: it is. Yeah, it's not the newest version, but that's besides the point. Besides the point, what happened? Gerard was going on a rant, and then we had no audio. And then we were, and then he started saying, "Like, oh, why don't we just talk about the silent commitments? So he was even jokingly talking about silent commitments, because you could not hear anything, obviously. He was using the microphone to, to mask my lips so you couldn't see what I was saying. And people want to know about Taylor Tatum because that's where we were kind of bridging the gap. Too. That's where we were going. And everything through. went fricking haywire. Uh, so things have kind of gone haywire for USC with that recruitment, it seems. So that's a nice transition of everything breaking down there. So what we know, you know, USC and Taylor Tatum. We're going to fan the flame. Taylor. This, this show is already off the rails. So Taylor Tatum, number one course. running back in the class. Uh, not a five-star, though. Just a consensus yeah. five star Not a very weak running back class. So not a five-star, but the number one running back nonetheless. Took an official visit for USC the first weekend of June. Went very, very well. Michigan, Oklahoma, also involved. And Michigan kind of was waving the white flag a little bit. They yeah. took a, another running back commitment out of Bishop Gorman. That is correct. And then Oklahoma was kind of there as well. But USC had all the momentum. You and I felt really, really good about where USC was. Couple crystal balls that come in for the Trojans for Taylor Tatum out of uh Where Texas Longview Texas. Longview, Texas. East, East Texas. You know, Kyle McDonald and Texas running backs, they just go together. Mm-hmm. Death Taxes and Kyle McDonald getting running backs out of Texas was just set up for USC. And then within the span of like twenty four hours leading into Monday night, things have flipped for Oklahoma. Haven't they? I mean, I mean, just picking up a lot more. Chris is, Chris is frazzled right now. So the world is ending. This,
0: Chris right now is the peristyle after a loss. This is, this is Chris, no, this is, excuse me, not after a loss, just halftime. Halftime, USC is down 10. This is the
3: peristyle right here. Everything's coming to an end. The world is ending. Tatum going to... Got $10 donation, a little help for the enterprise. So uh, (laughs) throw that for a new phone for me. Yes, donate for a new phone. (laughs) Taylor Tatum, four-star running
0: back out of Longview, Texas. Now, Taylor Tatum took his official visit to USC during that uh, that first week. And uh, everybody was excited because USC got a lot of commitments. Commitments from some guys that weren't even in that closer category, but were... Players at USC looked like they were really trying to come from behind to be able to just be in the the contest for them, right? Cameron Fountain, who everybody thought was going to Tennessee for sure. So with Taylor Tatum, he was the guy that was in the closer closure category. Right? Yes. He'd been to USC multiple times uh, multiple times. Uh, we knew it was kind of coming down to USC and maybe Michigan. USC and Michigan were the two schools that were m- most constantly uh, talked about in his recruitment. And as Chris said, you know, Michigan sort of put up the right flag and kind of pivoted and started recruiting another running back. Taylor Tatum didn't take an official visit the week after he was at USC. So you had all that time for all the hype and all those USC commitments to sort of build up. And everybody's like, well, you know, if they're going to get some of these guys like Manasseh Atite, who we didn't really think USC was going to have a chance at, of course, they closed with Taylor Tatum. So a lot of speculation, a lot of people talking about uh, the emojis and, you know, what emoji is is for what player. Um, I think we've gone over emojis and I don't want to beat a dead horse. Gerard hates emojis is what I'm saying. Emojis are like silent commitments, right? They, they really don't mean a whole lot. It's all just stuff in the background. And, of course, you know, with Lincoln Riley and putting it out there, the fan base eats it up and they love it. But you have to understand, if a recruit is not ready to go public and he's not ready to sing it from the rooftops that he's going to be committed to USC, that just doesn't really mean a whole lot until he actually does. So you don't want to count your chickens before the eggs hatch. And with Taylor Tatum, now, now Chris, I know he pushed you guys on the ledge right now. I I realize you've got that that little – bottle of pills and you're Jacques Daniels next to you and you're just sweating bullets right now. Going, Taters! Taters! I have not heard anything significant from any of my sources that is saying, yes, USC is going to have to go in another direction at the running back position at this point yet. Yeah. He just came off his official visit to Oklahoma. So you're going to expect some amount of buzz coming from the Oklahoma visit. The talk is, you know, baseball is a big factor for him. Now, USC baseball was recruiting him. He took a couple photos, uh, not only just from his official visit, but I think during the spring where he was in his baseball outfit. And so, you know, baseball is a factor in his recruitment. But I think, you know, we kind of have to wait and see what's going to happen here. There's been a little bit of chatter. Maybe he could make a decision this week. He doesn't have another official visit scheduled. We know that there are a couple other schools that are trying to get him in on campus officially before he makes a decision, which he wants to make a decision by the end of the summer. Texas is one school. Another school is Georgia. And with Texas and Georgia, they're kind of recruiting some of the same running backs. So we're going to kind of see how that plays out as well. So, you know, it, right now I wouldn't necessarily, you know, panic. Um, it, it is interesting because this topic does lend itself to the recruiting position as a whole, and other running backs potentially that USC could be looking at. And one name that was interesting that we spoke to over the weekend was Derek McFaul, the four-star running back out of Tyler, Texas, also an East Texas guy. And Derek McFaul has been talking about maybe getting a USC scholarship offer here. Um, He talked um, earlier in the spring about officially visiting USC June 16th. Uh, we know Nate Palmer was another kid uh, out of Decatur, Texas, that talked about potentially visiting USC that same weekend. So for me, the writing on the wall there is, okay, that's who USC is going to probably have to pivot towards if they feel like they don't have a shot at Taylor Tatum anymore. And thus far, they've really put you know all of their investment in Tatum and those visits didn't happen. We have yet to hear anything about McFaul getting a scholarship offer. And of course, beyond just those two players that USC actively recruited, there's some of the players that they didn't recruit, Nate Frazier. I get questions about Nate Frazier all the time, locally, running back. Out of modern day, uh, a guy that, you know, began his high school career playing cornerback and playing wide receiver at St. Matthias, Pius and Downey, very small private school. And then he transfers over to modern day and it was his first year playing running back last year. He's now in that 5'10", 5'11", range, 210 pounds, ran a 10.58 in the 100 meters this past spring. You know, when it comes to this year and looking at the running back position and and looking at the running back room in context – you know, if there was a year where you were going to take a gamble on a running back, you think this might be it. I mean, maybe USC doesn't feel comfortable with Nate Fraser as a running back, how those tools that he has, which, by the way, are much more impressive than some of these other running backs that are ranked ahead of him. But ultimately, how, how good of a football player is he? Do those tools translate to the football field? But if there was a year where you'd go, you know, we're not 100% sure, but that guy runs a 10 5, 8 he's weighing 210 pounds, and he's a really good receiver because he played receiver in high school beforehand, and I've seen him play several times in person. He's a very good receiver on top of all that. Maybe, you know, the vision and, and that kind of stuff, you know, he still has to kind of get that. But if you're going to take a gamble on a guy, wouldn't this be the year, the cycle? Maybe you know you got two really good running backs in 2023. You got Quentin Joyner and you got Amirian Peterson. Both of those running backs look like they're going to contribute for USC. And if it doesn't work out, you got a transfer portal We're sitting right there. Yeah, you you just got Marshawn Lloyd out of the transfer portal. Um, Austin Jones comes back. You've still got Riley Brown on the on, on the roster. So I mean, I'm not saying that USC would have a chance. At Nate Frazier at this point. Obviously, they've been, you know, reluctant to really go after him and recruit him thus far. Um, but this is a year where, yeah, it sucks it potentially, and I'm not saying they're going to miss out on Taylor Tatum, but you miss out on the number one running back in the nation. Uh, it's a four-star. Again, not a great year where, you know, the number one player at that position isn't a five-star. Um, it's it's It could definitely be worse. This is not a year where you're dependent on that player coming in and playing right away at the running back position, knowing that he has to be the guy that's going to carry you. This isn't, holy crap, we just lost Lyndale White and Reggie Bush, um, and, and Chauncey Washington is academically ineligible and off at of junior college. We need some guys to come in and play right away. This is a uh, okay. We've got some guys that we really like at the top of the the roster, the depth chart, and we've got some guys that we just brought in that we really like as well. And then there's that Raleigh Brown, who's c- clearly a dynamic playmaking, game breaker type of running back that can play receiver as well. I-, I think it's a year where you know you don't have to worry too too much. You don't want to miss. You'd love to get Taylor Tatum. You'd love to just pile up those running backs like Alabama does because I think to play in the Big Ten and to play at that championship level, you do have to have some depth at the running back position. And they're getting guys that are physical and can break tackles. And that's why Taylor Tatum is ranked number one in the nation. But again, I think you also have to pair that with, okay. but let's look at
3: the bigger picture at running back right now. So USC – as you see, it has not waved a white flag for Taylor no. Tatum. If we see an offer to one Derek McFall. Then yeah, you can get on the ledge. <laughs> or a rescheduled
0: Christian Clark official visit. Yeah, another – yeah, that was kind of another – seemed like might be a June 23rd visit, yeah. which we should probably talk about uh, that weekend,
3: which is uh, – kind, kind of, of falling apart and disintegrated like know, a Thanos snap. Deja vu, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We, as we've mentioned, I believe we've mentioned it. Maybe we haven't done it on air, but like the June 23rd kind of felt like. Is it mean to say kind of the the, the backup, backup plan? The backup weekend. It's just like the catch all weekend. Like, yeah. hey, let's bring them in. We have time. We have the space. We're not running a yacht for June 23rd, is what I'm saying. As mean as that sounds, we're now running a yacht for June 23rd. That's how it was last year. You had.
0: Uh, guys like Isaiah Chisholm, who I really liked, you know, had a shamanade, And he actually showed up for the passing tournament that they had that last week and last year. And he was supposed to come in for a midweek official visit and then just took an unofficial visit. And why was that? Because USC was very confident with Tackett Curtis. So that whole week, there was at one point like three or four guys that were scheduled to take official visits. The only guy excuse me, that took an official visit was Landon Hatchett. And that was like a Monday, Tuesday visit. So, yeah, the, the the last week is always sort of a, will it actually happen? Will there actually be a, a real recruiting weekend? Um, doesn't look like it. Doesn't look like it's going to have uh, too many prospects on campus. It, it kind of seems like, and everybody says, well, USC should get the last w- visit weekend. They should get the last visit weekend. And we kind of joked, maybe they should get the first visit weekend because we've seen a lot of guys come off the board. Yeah early in the summer with all these unofficial visits. Um, But the last visit weekend for them, the last two cycles has really been the June 16th golden hour weekend.
3: Which kind of brings us to the golden hour itself, which was this weekend. Gerard, we have confirmed it was a luau. It was not a hibachi. It was not a a Mexican uh, fiesta. It was not a sushi night. It was back to the well again, which was a luau. And it kind of looked, well, I guess I couldn't say it looked bigger than last year. There was a lot of people that were in those videos that they kind of showed for the recruits and the recruitment video that the guys have been showing off. But big weekend, Luau, Coliseum, kind of the actual golden hour at the Coliseum. You know, when the when the skies uh, golden and the 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 uh, the sunsets coming down. They're taking photos on the Coliseum deck and all that. And then a freaking yacht, Gerard. You know, we definitely could have snuck onto that yacht. Yeah. Well. <laughs> We
2: could
3: <laughs> have uh, been somebody's busboy on that yacht. We could have definitely snuck in that yacht. We would have looked the part on that yacht as Cilantro Boys. But they busted out a yacht. I heard it was four stories. You know, that's just something you can only really do in L.A. Were they stories? That would have been cool. Huh? Uh, I don't know if they went that far. I don't <laughs> know if Annie Hansen and the crew went that Next far. Year. But Next year. they brought out a bunch of, obviously, the official visitors and their families and then a bunch of USC players were on the boat as well. You yep. know, there was stories from everyone. You know, they're playing poker on the pool. There's, you know, people hanging out, you know, Bear, Bear Alexander, Anthony Lucas, Jamil muhammad they're all taking photos. So it was a big mixture of future, current. You know, I believe they had some uh, alumni on there as well. So everything was coming together with the, with the Golden Hour and the yacht. I don't know if you want to specifically talk about the yacht or you just want to go over the list in our categories once again. <laughs> I don't know a whole
0: lot about the yacht other than they did actually sail, I guess the yacht
3: sails uh around the bay. Wait, you not think they're just gonna be docked the whole time? I didn't know. That was not really fun. Sure.
0: There are <laughs> rules about how far away you can go away from campus for visits.
3: Really? Yeah, yeah. But does that does international waters count? <laughs> From water starts in distance. Like don't you Can't, to go, Catalina, you can't go to Catalina. Is that too far? <laughs> I think. So. What does the N- NCAA draw the line? Yeah,
0: I think it's because, well, like, you know, if you're going to an official visit and it's Nebraska, right, and it's Lincoln, Nebraska, they could just take you to Chicago and say, "Hey, you look how close you are to Chicago <laughs> and how great Chicago is." It's like I hey.
3: didn't even think of that. I didn't even think of there's a, a certain miles yeah, there is. radius that you can actually stay around your campus. I didn't even think of that, but that makes sense, I guess, but which I still is something international water should not count <laughs> which, in this. Which is a big tree
0: USC because I mean everybody knows there's, you know, within 20 minutes you can get to anywhere in LA. <laughs> ha ha. Uh but uh yeah, but nevertheless um they did, you know, take a take a little take a little uh a sail around the bay and um yeah, it, it was one of those things like you know you've never really heard that been done on a recruiting trip, uh, which surprised me. I thought about it with Miami and maybe like if Miami did uh, something of that nature. I know Miami has had the kids go maybe, in the 80s. These, maybe in the
3: eighties, maybe in the eighties, eighties, maybe the eighties,
0: uh, and and go to like various places and and they have you know a lot of uh, beach houses there. Shaq has a house and they point out you know all these famous people houses, but instead. Uh, USC put them on a yacht and um, it was uh, a, a great experience for these players. And um, it's sort of one of those things, you know, how do
3: you one-up it next right, year? Right, right. You put- sort of, you're getting into this thing where you can't one-up it from the year before and it just becomes this this thing in this cycle. But you know what?
0: Maybe they can. I mean, I don't know. I was talking with Joey Olsen, the uh, tight end slash receiver uh, commit for USC, the 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 last man standing. At one point, um, he was hey, the only commit he held around. He saw the vision when no one else did. Of all, you know, and, and of all the guys that I would have predicted out of that early group that were committed, I would have said, yeah, Joey Ellis is probably going to be the first thing he commit. Did, did you tell you him that? Yeah, that? <laughs> no, I, I yeah. What did he say? He, he was like, yeah, no, man, I I, I knew that eventually. Uh, It would all come together, and it's just been awesome to see it come to fruition. He was super pumped about that first week, seeing all those commits and everything. He just – he was really – you can genuinely excited and excited that other top players are seeing Mm -hmm. the vision. Shout out
3: to Joey Ocean. Uh, Joey Joey Ocean. (laughs) No, Joey (laughs) Taylor and Joey (laughs) Ocean on a yacht, so it works, but – he was recruiting at the Notre Dame game. He was out there. He was going up to everybody and chatting. So, so shout out to Joey Ocean, a.k.a. Joey Olson, doing recruiting. Uh, I where we really came. pegged him as that guy talking to him after he committed. You know, Joey's
0: a dude. He's just very laid back, chill guy. But I think, you know, he, he definitely sees something special at USC. And he talks about USC with genuine enthusiasm, you know, for for what's going to happen at USC, and he's just excited to be a part of it. So I think just in general, um, you know, he talked a little bit about the yacht and, and the yacht party and everything, and he just talked about how many guys are 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 going to be a part of the class, and on record, you know, I asked him. So what do you have to, to say to people about the class? You know, I mean, I asked him, what what kind of recruiter are you? You know, what do you say to the guys? And he sort of reiterated that in the update. But then I asked him, what, what, what do you have to say to the fans? Because, you know, they're real pumped up. Uh, they're excited, just like you are about all these commits. And he's just like, everybody who can be a Trojan, come be a Trojan. I thought that was interesting wording. Everyone who can be a Trojan <laughs> – come be a Trojan. and I think he was acknowledging that there's going to be some decisions that have to be made. You know, there's going to be certain positions where there's guys first come first serve. And whether you agree with it or not, in terms of rankings or what have you, you know, USC is ready to make a move there and move on with recruiting. And so he was uh, excited about the future. He, he knew that there was going to be uh, more commitments coming. And, um, you know, he, he's very solid. He's not got any visit plans. He talked about maybe visiting Oregon, you know, earlier in the spring when I talked to him. But he said, no, no, sir, I'm done. I'm locked in. I'm going to USC.
3: And, um, yeah, he he was pumped about it. Shout out to Joey Ocean, which will become a meme, I guess, on this podcast as uh, Tater Tatum has and Joey Ocean. Uh, but here we are after the yacht. It's done. We have our categories for our Golden Hour visit that, you know, has become a, a hit with the fans of this podcast. And it's really been three categories this year. It's been yeah. – Closers, wild cards, and the outsiders—kind of quote playing from behind. I don't know if the audio from these works, so I just want to try one. And if it—if you could hear it, I know you can barely hear us, but if you can hear this audio, please let us know. Have you made your decision for Christ? One of our favorite ones. Have you made your decision for Christ? We'll see if that actually comes through. But while we figure out if that's uh, a <laughs> box. Producer Ryan has uh, jerry rigged. Uh, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> he's he's doing something. He's trying to get on our good side. He refilled our water bottles for us. He's, he's, he's It's he's, warm water, though. So I don't know. I don't uh, it's so pretty far. cold for me. Oh, really? I got warm water. Oh, that's, that's a
0: bummer for you. The tea bag of my water. Anyways, yeah. let's talk a little bit about um, these categories. And, and I think interesting to know one of the things about these categories is that the traction visits, and that was sort of a, a thing that we kind of talked about a little bit. We kind of got to listen that, right? Because so many of these recruits have taken unofficial visits and they've learned about USC. There's a lot more that they have knowledge-wise from, you know, where the program was and where the program's going. So this, you know, is wasn't going to be a recruiting uh, visit like cycle where you had to try to get traction with a lot of these recruits. I mean, they already knew what they needed to know. So it always, you know, it kind of broke down from the first week, even going back. Well, maybe the May visits, right? When I mean, you had guys like Edric Houston coming in. It's like, OK, that's a guy that's never been on campus. USC's got to try to get some traction there before they can really, you know, try to make a real move with him. Um, but every guy that's been there over the summer, it's either been a guy that you go, OK, USC's playing from behind. OK, there's a lead school there. Cameron Fountain, right, Tennessee. I always use Cameron Fountain I know, as that example, but he was one of those guys. You got Manasseh Atete is another one of those guys with Florida State. Clear leader, you know, behind the scenes and even probably a little bit, you know, even publicly uh, with those two prospects. And you say, okay, USC's not the lead school here. They're playing from behind here. It's not a wild card. We know what the lead school is, and we know you know who USC's got to beat out here, uh, but they have a certain amount of margin that they've got to be able to make up. And so uh, you had the outsiders. And then you know the wild cards are the guys that are just maybe they haven't been to campus, but you know that they like USC a lot. They're saying all the right things. Uh, and then the closers are the guys that have been on campus a bunch of times. Uh, they're really kind of down to USC and maybe another school and sometimes it's USC in the field and you don't really know what that other school is but this is going to be the visit that really determines whether they're going to USC or not. So again, we have those three categories and I think at the top of the list uh, we we talked about last week and we'll we'll get it rankings going down. Five star, uh, Lilliburn Parkview wide receiver Mike Matthews. Um, Hearing that he had a great visit. The interesting thing is at that wide receiver position you also had uh, the two other top wide receivers on the board coming in on the same visit, uh, Long Beach, Milliken, four-star wide receiver, Ryan Pelham, and uh, Sillsby, Texas, four-star wide receiver, Draylon Miller. And so with Mike Matthews, we knew he might take a little longer to make a decision. He still has his visit to Tennessee. Um, he's taken his visit to Georgia. It's a little harder to close a five-star. It's it, It's harder, and the question is – Factor-wise, is it first come, first serve? Uh, because we feel like, you know, with Draylon Miller, that's a guy that USC has been the lead school with and have been in a very good position with. It seems like it's it's USC and Texas A&M, and it's been USC and Texas A&M probably for a little while now. Um, I haven't checked in with Steve Wolfong about uh, LSU. You know, he thought was, was, was a major player for him, uh, but I've continually heard. Texas A&M, USC, Texas A&M, USC. And we'll have a little bit of an update here in a second about Draylon Miller and Texas A&M. Um, and then Ryan Pelham, who we feel like USC's actually taken the lead for at this point. Uh, it was Oregon, Oregon, Oregon. His family ties to Oregon. Um, his uncle, uh, Don Pellum, uh, was a uh, coach, very long-time linebacker coach at, at Oregon. And so – there's best suits in the game. Best suits in the game. So there, there's a connection, been there for Oregon for a long time. But USC has, at the beginning of the year, really kind of stepped up the recruitment of him. And I think going into that trip, uh, probably the lead school and coming away from the trip is lead school. Now, he's still going to Oregon, though. And he's got Oregon this weekend. And so Oregon's going to try to shut the door on USC. The question is... Ryan Pelham maybe uh, do a little emoji behind the scenes to kind of get his foot in the door, lock up a spot. What does that mean if you're still going to visit Oregon? To me, it means nothing, but you know, to the fans, it might mean something. Um, and with Draylon Miller kind of being in a similar position, he's going to take an unofficial visit to Texas A&M. And that unofficial visit, uh, which I believe is happening today – He's going to be there with Ty Anthony Smith, the linebacker who was also on his official visit to USC June 16th from Jasper, Texas. Two small towns there in southern Texas, kind of near the L- uh, Louisiana border. I was almost to LSU border, <laughs> the Louisiana border. Um, so those those guys have become close. Uh, over the process, and, and it stands to reason being from kind of equally small towns, they're both going to be on campus uh, today at Texas A&M. They have a big seven-on-seven tournament, the state ten- tournament, that's going to be in College Station. It's not on the grounds of the University of Texas A&M, but it is in College Station. College Station is probably about as big as Palm Springs. And so uh, it's about, you know, like uh, probably a five-minute walk from from campus. Draylon Miller and his Silsby team are participating in the seven on seven. And Draylon is supposed to uh announce here uh very soon that uh, Ty Anthony Smith's team is not. So Ty Anthony's just kind of going down to hang out. And, they're close friends. But they're close friends. So it's an interesting dynamic. It's an unofficial visit. It's not an official visit. And I think that makes uh people feel a little better about uh, where USC sits and their lead coming away from that official visit that he had last weekend. So there's an interesting dynamic there, though, because I think USC really just wants to take three. Is there a potential where uh they get – Two more commits and obviously they have already got Jordan uh, – Xavier Jordan, uh, excuse me, uh, committed already. That Mike Matthews wants to commit and, and you tell him no later down the line if it's September or if he actually stretches it into the fall, which he's not expected to, but maybe he does. Um, I don't know, but I think if – Pelham and Miller are ready to commit. They take those commits. There's nobody, there's no, well, we're not really sure, Ryan, because we're waiting on Mike Matthews. We've seen at other positions already where there are are maybe players that are ranked higher. They are not waiting for those players they're getting things done now. So, going back to I think the first question we asked, Giovanni asked, he wanted to know, you know, what what is what does the class look like? The class looks like it's almost done at a few different positions. Probably a majority of positions more than not. Uh, wide receiver, offensive line, um probably to a large extent defensive back, uh a lot of these positions. Yes, I mean, you know, defensive line some other positions. Um now, we don't want to get, you know, naive and get wrapped up in July. And and in August, like it's you know going to be a signing day and this is the end of recruiting because there's a season to be played and there will be some guys that you know get a get get that, that itchy feeling during uh the decommitment season. And so there's there's gonna be some shifting that happens, but the majority of the class last year that was committed over the summer signed with USC, right? So the guys that were in Texas, the guys that were out of state. Even when the defense wasn't playing particularly well, uh, they held strong and they stayed committed to USC. So you would think that this class, same thing, with USC hoping to have an even better season, uh, that this is going to uh, – as we said going into the summer – build the core really show you what what the class is going to be um in general you know the, you get a very good sense of what the future of the football team is going to look like maybe not everybody's going to be committed at that point but the vast majority of the class uh probably is committed at that point so um mike matthews you know draylon miller uh, there have been some crystal balls for draylon miller to usc Stands to reason, obviously, because he doesn't have another official visit coming up. And USC was uh, really kind of the lead school going in to his official visit uh, just last weekend. Uh, moving on to uh, another crystal ball that uh, just dropped recently, but probably could have been dropped a while ago, uh, is that of West Hills four-star uh, safety Marquis Gallegos. And we've been hearing, you know, USC for Marquis Gallegos for a little while now. Uh, he had canceled all his other trips. I believe he might've still had a visit to Oregon that was in the works, but I think that's probably not going to happen either at this point. So right now it's, you know, USC is the only school that's gotten an official visit, uh, kind of writing on the wall. He, like I said, has gotten, uh, at least one crystal ball. I don't know if there's more crystal balls or just the one. I believe it's just the one right now. Yeah. It, it, it could be others, but, uh, nevertheless, looking very good. For USC, the safety position, which is a uh, very, very interesting position, uh, how it's evolved uh, here. And, and and we'll probably get into that a little bit more um, in the podcast here uh, if we're still on the air at that point. Um, uh, we talked a little bit about Ty Anthony Smith and another guy that you know – we've been kind of beating the drum – With him in USC, I've gotten the vibe for quite a long time, going back to his unofficial visit to USC, that USC was the lead school here. Last weekend, there was some talk, though, that Texas was really making him a priority and kind of like their number one guy. Tackett Curtis treatment. At middle linebacker, yeah. It was like, you know, hey, Dylan Riola treatment, really. Yeah. Um, And I don't think it matters. You know, there's been, oh, you know, some talk from a small – Texas town and, you know, the vibe in Austin, you would like a little more. He's supposed to be in Austin right now for his official visit. And as we reported on the Peristyle yesterday, he says he's going to be in College Station instead just to hang out with Draylon Miller, even though uh, his team is not a part of the seven-on-seven, to my knowledge. So, again, writing on the wall?
3: You think so? I mean, yeah. I mean, it just kind of... We talk about actions and what I they mean. Speak louder than words. In recruitment, uh, not always the case, but in, in this case, you know, I think that's a pretty loud action and have to take note of that of not going on your Texas official visit and going to College Station instead, instead just to like hang out at the Texas State Championships. Yeah. In- interesting there. And, and we'll see, you know,
0: maybe – Texas is able to get him up later in the weekend. Who knows? You know, we'll we'll keep an eye on that one. But it's looking real good for USC right now. Another guy with some some crystal balls that have gone USC's way. A game for Maryland four star defensive end slash edge rusher Jalen Harvey from your neck of the woods, sir. Yes. Um, haven't been able to get him on the phone. Uh, haven't really been able to get any kind of full interview or reaction. From his official visit, we know that he liked USC a lot. Uh from you know, other sources, it definitely seems like it's USC versus uh getting away from home and, and mom just being comfortable with him leaving home. Uh and he put out a top five. I don't know what it was. I just know that Penn State and USC are kind of at the top of the list. Uh what was there, like Marilyn and Duke in there or something like that? Don't just throw Maryland away. But yes, they were on there. <laughs> they were on there. What was the other school? I feel like Duke was in it. Anyways, uh, nevertheless, um, yeah, haven't, we've just we're, we're trying, man. We're grinding. We're blowing this phone. Jalen, please pick up. Please pick up. Uh, but, you know, sometimes. Tennessee and Florida. Oh. Okay, random. Tennessee right. and Florida. We'll have to see if he takes uh, a visit to Tennessee or Florida. Um, I don't think he's officially visited either of those schools at this point. But he's been pretty quiet. He was pretty quiet after his Penn State visit. Um, ironically got a bunch of crystal balls, I think, after his Penn State visit. A lot of people thought he was going to commit to Penn State and not actually officially visit USC. Uh, he did officially visit USC. So USC still involved there. Arlington, Texas, four-star offensive lineman, Makai Santa, And Makai is a guy that coming in, A lot of people, I feel like it's mostly coming from USC circles, felt very good about him. And then reading between the lines of USC not really being involved with DeAndre Carter anymore and DeAndre Carter canceling his visit and really going on and considering other schools, that the assumption is okay, Makai Sienna, USC must feel like he's locked in, right? Actions speak louder than words. And I, I would. Confirm that to be true, but we haven't really had a great amount of sources or anybody that's giving us intel more from Mackay's standpoint, and that always makes me a little uncomfortable. stuff. Uh, I don't like to just get you know the side of the one story, the side of one story, the side story of one, story. one side, one sided story. <laughs> I don't like to just have sources that are, are really sort of looking at the recruitment from one perspective. Um, his mom runs that deal and he's going to go where his mom wants him to go. And that's basically all that I've gotten thus far. I think uh, USC is in a good position, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, he, he's, he's not committed right away. isn't committed yet. And, um, you know, we'll see if uh, – I think that's one USC would like to have locked down before it takes any more official visits. I get the vibe that there was maybe some expectation that, you know, one of those emotes would turn into a, uh, I'm blessed and like to say that I'm committed to the university of Southern California. So we'll see on that one, that, that one has been, like I said, it still sounds good on our end, but I would like to have some sources uh, closer to him that, that, that give a a clear vibe of kind of, you know, what he's doing, where he's going.
3: And just a note on Mackay specifically talking to some Texas guys, they have told us that like kids out of Arlington and recruits out of Arlington are notoriously super hard to get a hold of. They do not talk to reporters. For whatever reason, kids at Arlington like are not very like media friendly. They don't like to do interviews. They don't like yes. to get on the phone. Even if you get them in person, they're very like short. So they're notoriously very hard to get a hold of for whatever reason. Is that because of... I was gonna say Jerry World,
0: but Jerry World's in Frisco now. Yeah, so that doesn't that doesn't make sense. Uh, you're saying Arlington? He's out of Arlington. Martin is that like the high school, or just the whole city of Arlington has
3: become anti? I was just told Arlington. I don't know if it's they were specific to the to the school or it's the street. district or the entire entire city. The city council. I don't know. if There's like a citywide ban on city talking was there, the to reporters. The fuck out. I think in. I think, I it's in. I think it's
0: out. Okay so moving on to the next category uh we have the wild cards and you know the wild card at the top of the list already talked about him Ryan Pelham, quickly becoming really a closer you know i i, I can't really remember the rational uh rationalization for putting him into the wild card spot necessarily cuz we felt like it's been Oregon USC uh, Oregon had the lead, but I think USC is is really definitely made up a lot of ground over the spring, and that's they're, they're really, definitely trailing. Yeah, and they made
3: made a big move over the summer, and I think I or spring,
0: I I feel confident saying USC is the lead dog right now. What do you think? Wow, yeah, right. wow. I've heard enough from enough people. Again, not just you know like USC circle people, but uh, people on you know in other circles that that have some decent credibility when it comes to this type of thing. And their read is pretty consistent feeling like USC's made that move. Um, but he does have the official visit to Oregon. And I don't know if it's enough of a move, you know, he did shut it down immediately. And again, if it's silent verbals don't mean nothing. Um, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's about, you know, what you say. And uh, at this point, he's got to take that official visit to Oregon. And we're still waiting to see kind of how that, Plays out, I guess, at the wide receiver position. Uh, but for
3: you know, he the to top two, so it's 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 closing time for the Ducks. USC is top two. Will they be two? We'll see. And he's <laughs> going to make his commitment on Monday, right after the visit. So yeah, I'll be there at Long Beach Millikan for his uh, his commitment. So we'll have all the latest from there. But yeah, we'll get the word on what. Will we be doing a live show from your phone? We will. We will not I'll be, be do. doing the live show from a phone because. I will be needing to use my phone, but we'll definitely talk about it uh, on Wednesday, that show uh, coming up. And I will just say, despite all of the audio issues that have been going on with this podcast, and thank you for the 200 plus people who are like bearing with us with this audio setup we have right now, I I will say someone was still able to hear Ryan cracking a beer in the background, which was just, you know, (laughs) for whatever reason, just like the real, like, piece de resistance of this uh is that the new sponsor no that's the mango card is not the especially if they want to be go ahead and you can get on the train of this uh highly professional podcast you can get uh on the board with that but i just wanted to point that out because it is so train wreck uh (laughs) get on this train wreck uh but thank you i just wanted to add that uh beer cracking is still very audible on this uh we are not but the the beer cracking is yeah uh, we also have in
0: the wild card spot only Maryland four star defensive event, Darian Mayo the also guy. in front of my woods. Yeah, which you know has not helped us very much. Get any of these kids on the phone, Christian Trevino.
3: I mean, you me can- love- f- your familia. You just want me to fly back for a week and stay out there and just make a rounds. Yeah, just show up at places. You know, it's like whatever
0: spectrum there is in Laurel. Maryland, their, their, their shops, their, their main, you know, strip mall and just, you know, hang out and, you know, or just, you know, go to his high school.
3: Yeah. I, I'd rather just do the high school and then it's instead of loitering at random locations uh, in my hometown. So that might be more fruitful, but another edge rusher. Yeah. And like edge rusher, but a guy that sure at six foot seven, 200, yeah. what? 70, 50 pounds, 50, 60, 50 pounds. Yeah. He's, Grown quite a bit yeah, since uh, yeah. we've last seen him. On so campus. he is being really quiet. Uh, he put some stuff out at social media today, uh, which everybody committed, which <laughs> we had to address in the <laughs> yeah. part one of the show. It was like, no, he did not commit. He was just showing off. Yeah, some yeah. of the the visuals from his visit. Yeah, so um, we're again continuing
0: to to you know work on these guys. It's one of those things. It was also a weird weekend because it was Father's Day Sunday, and so. You know, you're making calls, but at the same time, you're trying to respect people's time and don't want to be Family too pushy with things. And So, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to let these kids completely decompress and give them days before talking to them. But we know you guys want updates yesterday. So, it's one of those things where you're kind of uh, – you're trying to juggle that, you know, and, and, and get something. Because, I mean, a great example of that, Cameron Fountain. I called him as he's, like, leaving USC early in the morning, right? And it was a decent interview, and he had some good things to say about USC. But from that conversation, I absolutely did not get the vibe he would be committing to USC less than 12 hours later. Again, I, I joked I, I should have been talking to his mom, which was much more gun ho about the visit than he was talking to him. But it is one of those things where, you know, a, a little more time maybe passes, and he has more time to, to – to, 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 to reflect and kind of absorb everything that he did and the experience. But again, you guys, you guys want updates now. Like, so it's one or the other. Um, So we'll see, you know, if we're able to, uh, to get Mr. Darian Mayo uh, on the phone or Brian Doan, uh, again, you know, local guy, he's out in Jersey, uh, has good relationships with most of these players. Sometimes it doesn't matter. They just don't really want to talk about it. And it's more, you know, (laughs) Blank flows downhill. When you say something about a school, it sometimes it creates this like avalanche, this domino effect of other college coaches getting all crazy and weird and like, oh, no, then they start blowing up your phone because you said some nice things about USC or you said nice things about Tennessee or you said – you know what I mean? Like I haven't seen any direct quotes talking about uh, Taylor Tatum's uh, r- r- visit to Oklahoma. Right. Now, is that because he just, you know, doesn't have anything good to say? No, probably not. He probably has good things to say, but maybe it's gonna cause, you know, USC to 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 blow his phone up. Maybe it's gonna cause one of the Texas schools to blow his phone up. So you have to understand from that standpoint as well. Sometimes kids like to lay low because the college coaches themselves read these articles, they hear things, and sometimes, you know, they panic (laughs) and they start, you know, calling And, and they have relationships with these coaches. And it's hard for them to say no to these coaches. You can only say yes to one school, one group of people, and you have to say no to a bunch of people. So it's difficult for
3: 17-year-olds. And trust us, they have staffers reading the articles that come out. Yeah. That someone's job is to just – not their only job, but part of their job is to look at every visit recap and see what the kids are saying after their visits. So.
0: And the final guy that we had on the wild card category for the visitors that were in at USC last weekend was San Mateo Junior College four star defensive back, Sione Laule.
3: So people are kind of accept, obsessed with because he's a six foot four, nearly 200 pound cornerback. Yeah. And a guy that could
0: probably play safety also. He's kind of got a little bit of that uh, Malachi Crawford in him in terms of being a guy who plays cornerback uh, right now at the junior college level. Uh, But certainly physicality-wise, you can see him playing maybe that nickel spot or or, or playing an actual straight safety spot. Uh, So hearing lots of good things about him. Uh, Definitely positive reviews. Again, pointing example here with, Somebody having a great relationship with the kid and being able to talk to not only the kid but people around him very regularly. Brandon Huffman has just not been able to get the kid on the phone. I mean that's Huff's area and he's got that area locked down and he has for many, many years. Um, but, you know, Sione has just been very quiet and, and hasn't really wanted to say much about it. Um, kind of ironic that uh, uh, Sione actually has tagged, I think, Huff on like all of his uh, – all of his social media stuff uh, since the visit. But – won't hit Huff back for just a couple of quotes, like, Hey man. So like, you know, what are you thinking? what did you like about the visit? What was the highlights, et cetera. So uh, Lalia is a guy that uh, we still haven't heard anything directly from him. Have heard that, you know, the USC visit was very, very good. Um, But again, kind of more from one perspective. So we're waiting to see if, you know, he ends up taking another visit this weekend or he's a guy that could potentially shut it down. But definitely, there were definitely positives from him and good vibes uh, about him coming from uh, that official visit weekend. And so, you know, crystal ball. I-, I thought there might be a crystal ball actually floating in. But again, I think it's just one of those things where we need to get a little more kind of from the the horse's mouth, I think, in that situation. Uh, and then the last category was the outsiders. And we joked about this uh, with the movie that Chris has yet to see, uh, but not the Warriors, <laughs> not the Outsiders. That was my clarification. That the, was my issue. The playing from behind uh, category, basically. And um, you know, we had Marquise Lightfoot in this category uh, since his official visit to USC. I think there might have actually been a crystal ball put in for Ohio State. I think you might be correct on so, that. I can look that. Up. Interesting. Again, we're trying to get some type of uh, <laughs> some feedback from the visit. I really haven't heard too much about him either way. Uh, I think people got excited because Gavin Morris, uh, one of the staff members, had uh, retweeted uh, one of um, uh, Lightfoot's Instagram um, pictures that he put up or what have you. And, you know, Gavin kind of gave some hints on social media uh, right before the commitment of Elijah Newby. So there was like, uh oh, you know, is, 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 us, tell us telling us something? Yeah, Marquis Lightfoot, one of those guys. Um, I don't have any information for, for that to be true. Um, going into the visit, he was definitely an outsider, a guy that um, – I actually thought – I think it was Michigan a lot of people were thinking. And, and maybe uh, – you know, people grasping at him staying close to home. Uh, but I know I talked to Alan True, who has uh, talked to Lightfoot uh, several times in the past, and he felt like USC was a long shot. And that was I was about a month out before the visit. So it wasn't, you know, right up uh, before the visit. But I did ask him a little bit about Marquise Lightfoot because he's just um, a name sort of, you know, for us right now. We haven't seen him uh, on campus before. I haven't seen him at any events. And so uh according to Allen, at that point in time, yeah, he was he was definitely uh not uh expected to go to USC. but you know, as I said, uh before the first week of official visits in June, uh you know that's what visits are for. you know they, they can' turn the table with recruits. Cameron Fountain, you know, his mom was such such a big factor in his recruitment, and she'd never been to USC. He'd never been to l a. And so, you know, it's, that, that's that's really where it becomes more of a wild card than anything. Uh, but you figure that the local schools that they have been to multiple times have built that relationship up. And everybody's not just assuming. I I think unfortunately, and this happened with like Jason Mitchell, I think is a great example of this. The safety prospect out of St. John Bosco. His dad went to USC. Uh he he loves USC. A lot of people just said, hey, you know what? He's you know, when he reclassified, he's going to USC. I was Flat out told him, "He's not ready to take him if he reclassified." We're, they're trying to still trying to figure out where he was going to be in the two thousand twenty four class, and then you know it came time to be in the two thousand twenty four class in, the, in official visits, and he he told us you know probably that June sixteenth visit weekend was going to be the weekend end up not being a part of any visit weekend, and so you know it's one of those things where sometimes you know people it, it, you get easily can make assumptions just based on sort of. The, the Either there's a lineage there with parents or there's just that sort of pattern of, hey, he's been to this school this many times. He must really like this school and have a really good relationship with those coaching staffs. But you always have that, yeah, but he hasn't seen anything else. And and with these kids, when they go somewhere else and they see stuff for the first time, that's obviously going to impact what they want out of college. you know Sometimes it's like when I talk to kids, you know, what questions do you have going into the visit? and often the questions they have going into the visit are are one thing but then coming away from the visit they have other questions because they've seen things they didn't even think could be possible or true or were interesting or were important and then all of a sudden it's like dang you know I never really thought about that academically i never really thought about life after football and networking i never thought about marketing i never there's different things that they get from an information standpoint on these visits that sometimes change the priorities of what they want in a school so You know, all these things are what come from official visits. And nowadays, kids can take an infinite amount of official visits, which is another dynamic that's uh, going to be something
3: we have to just kind of watch and see. This is another episode – or not episode – instance of me thanking people that have stuck around uh, to watch us despite the audio issues. I like doing uh, the hashtags, you know, for the hours that have passed. Obviously, this one's a little bit different because of uh, <laughs> no our time. Hey, listen,
0: if they stick through the audio issues and they're really a part of yeah
3: whatever gang. If uh, so, if you stuck through you know part one, the audio dysfunction uh, right there in the middle. I want a hashtag uh, #AudioGate2023. <laughs> And then also, if you feel so inclined to do a hashtag uh, Fire Producer Ryan, uh, that would be also acceptable uh, if you're still in the chat. Just looking for a little bit of engagement there. Hashtag but, whatever his beer is called. Was it called Cactus Jack? Um, mango Cart. Hashtag <laughs> Mango Cart. Um, specific than hashtag AudioGate. AudioGate seems like it,
0: it, could, it could be a lot of things. It needs to be a little more specific. So I, I feel like hashtag...
3: Mango Cart is kind of a hashtag mango Cart, if you know you know if you know you know the only thing that was picked up by the audio of this one, so you just ran down the golden hour uh visitors that's about unless my count was wrong that was twelve kids that you ran through uh you said fifty percent is a great number when you have if you have four kids, you have eight kids, yeah. you have uh thirty kids, you have twenty kids, whatever fifty percent is a great number six for this might actually be low obviously just from the counting of the kids we talked about nine seems very doable from this golden hour visit obviously it was a little bit smaller than, than last year than last year of course it was a little more concentrated they had more commits coming into the visit so yeah a good amount yeah we're that- not we're not counting the commits that were the three commits that were on the visit as well so yeah thanks to 15 and and that's well but but that does count i mean it Sure. You have to look at the number, like
0: the number, the total number. You know, you're not just looking at the number of uncommitted guys that you have during the visit and then half of those. It's really just in general the total number of guys that you have uh, that come in during a weekend. And sometimes it's supplemented by verbal commitments, guys that have already been committed. And last year, they had 24 uh, recruits come in on that Golden Hour weekend, and they got, uh, I think, 13 was the number that they ended up getting so it was oh you know more than half which i think in in most instances most contexts is, is definitely a, a win that's that's a successful recruiting weekend and the more kids you're bringing in the more successful it is to get half of them <laughs> yeah. i mean it's just it, you, you got a lot of commitments coming if you've got a lot of guys that are going to be on campus so you're saying nine out of the 14 you thought what was that yeah. what your Number
3: was uh, that was kind of my number. If you're talking about Draylon Miller, you already got Marcellus and Jason on the board, so that's two for you there. Uh, yeah, You've
0: five. You five right now out of that uh, the fifteen. If yeah. you're counting the the the, the, the guys that uh, were committed coming into the, the weekend.
3: Well, if we're counting that, but you have Draylon, Mar- Marcellus, uh, Jason, Mar- uh, Gallegos, uh, Ty Anthony Smith. We feel good about you know Jalen Harvey is also up there. Uh, Ryan Pelham, as we noted, we feel like USC is in the lead there. Uh, Sione Lalea, that is also another one up there. And then Makai, you know, and the, the enigma that he is, that gives us, you know, close to that nine number. And-
0: I think the nine number is 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 pretty good. Yeah, um, for sure. I, I can see nine commitments there, potentially. Again, there's going to be some jostling at the wide receiver position and, and see how that sort of plays out if uh, Mike Matthews, you know, kind of shocks people at this point. I again, I I would not be shocked by Math, Mike Matthews committing to USC. I think he's had a very good relationship with USC. And there's other schools there, obviously, and the competition is is tough. You know, he's got Georgia, he's got Tennessee, uh, he's got Clemson. There's there's quite a few schools there in the South that are recruiting him very, very hard. Uh, but I think USC has done a very good job, um, really hammering home how he fits into their offense and how he would be unique as an offensive player. And that was something that I think from Jump Street they approached the recruiting process with him, having a vision offensively for him. Um, but nevertheless. You know, even if they strike out on Mike Matthews, you still got Draylon Miller there and you've got Ryan Pelham and you already had Xavier Jordan committed. And that's a a very good threesome that you're stacking up against. Uh, The threesome that you signed last year just out of high school was Ion Branch, uh, Makai Lemon and Jacoby Lane. And so, you know, you've also supplemented it with the recruiting portal and getting guys uh, that are transferred in uh, like Dorian uh, Singer. So yeah, it's uh, another one of those positions where USC is doing championship type things. Okay. That's going year in and year out, stacking those positions, not making excuses. Oh, we got such and such last year. That is That is the Clay Helton era of of USC football. If you want to be in the college football playoff and you want to win games in the college football playoff, then you better be doing what these schools like Alabama and and Georgia and Ohio State are doing. And every year you bring in new players that are good players and you stack that depth. Stack, stack, stack. That has been a
3: primary message. Always be closing. You want to win championships? Always be stacking. Always be stacking. Gerard. That kind of brings us to the end of the first half. Technically, I guess the third part is our uh, uh, unexpected break with the audio issues. Is there anything else you want to add about the golden hour, maybe the yacht, before we take, I guess, a fake break and go into the second half of the show? No, not really. I think – I'm not really
0: sure what the break is actually going to be. Be like I'm me. just going to
3: play the megaphone break, and then we're just going to sit here for like 10 seconds. Take a break, take Producer it. Ryan just came out shirtless, uh, wearing his trunks. He decided to come in. He's got his Now he's going to go dip off at a well-deserved pool dip. I think he'll um, be ditched. He's, he's about to crack open another beer. Can you do it? This will send us to the break as he cracks open another beer. Yeah, look at that. And with that, I'm going to take our fake break. We'll be right back. The
0: fake break. The fake break. The usual break for us. Right. What you guys don't know is that we usually don't
3: take a break. We just play the music and we just keep going. When so, we were having audio issues with or connection issues with your Wi-Fi, wifi yeah. then it would get kind of uh, rough, it dicey. Would be we would have to actually take a break so I could uh, – Figure out where to where to make the corrections and and stuff like that. But it's been actually very nice, Knock on wood lately. Uh, but I'm a little worried because you do do the show from I do a do garage, the garage all the time from your garage, uh, and it's going to be sweltering hot in the summer. <laughs>
0: it's always sweltering hot. Yeah, no, yeah.
3: I, I sweat it out. It's a it's a nice.
0: Uh, I don't have to be on camera, so it doesn't matter. I'm just sweating profusely. But it's like, you know, like a little workout. I don't mind sweating, you know. I, I put some work in for this site. These people pay for me to sweat and to work and grind. And that's what I do
3: for you, the hairstyle. Like blood, sweat, and tears. But there uh, are some filthy casuals that. Uh, blood, sweat, and tears. Just no audio for this podcast. Uh, Elite 11 was in town. As always, it seems like it's always in Southern California. It it is. is it
0: never not in Southern California. It's never not been. uh, Has it ever not been at Redondo High School? I can't remember, but it's usually at Redondo High School. As
1: as
3: long as I can remember, it's been at Redondo High School. So that was in town for the first time in what feels like forever. USC did not have a quarterback participating, or at least not a former target. There are plenty of former targets out there, but no commitments. Elijah Brown was just coming off his Stanford visit, and he canceled his USC official visit, went ahead and committed to Stanford yep. a couple of days after that. DJ Lagway, who USC was very involved with, got him on campus a couple times, said no, ended up committing to Florida. He was there. And then Dylan Rayola, who some of the peristyle referred to as uh, Ray Liotta, uh I don't I mean it's just there's a stretch, but for some reason I got it immediately. Yeah. And I just
0: thought, Chris, this would be a great sound bite, like something from Goodfellas.
3: Okay. But he's not committed here. Do you <laughs> amuse me? <laughs> Shoot. So uh Dylan Ray Liotta, uh was also there, Spurn USC multiple times Twice. Uh, committed to Georgia, actually moving to Georgia to be for yeah. Georgia to play there his what, fourth high school in mm-hmm. his career? Third high school? He was in Texas and Arizona. Yeah, actually. But that, he, no, no, fourth high school because he yeah. transferred twice in Arizona. And I don't think he even played for the second. I don't think he played for Pinnacle at all. No. Yeah. So fourth high school and as many years in high school. So he's moving on to Georgia to be closer to Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs. He was there, but obviously uh, no go. Julian Sain. The quarterback up the road in San Diego, Alabama commit, uh, was offered by the previous staff, but not picked up by Lincoln Riley. He was there, I believe he might have actually won the whole thing. I didn't actually yeah, see the won. final. He won. It was my pick to win the whole thing, and I have been on the Julian Sand train for a long time since I met him at a workout in San Diego. So I'm still on the board of like this kid's right here. But <laughs> for whatever reason, Lincoln Riley's not about it. But the most interesting. Part of the lead 11 were the skill guys in attendance. Walter Matthews flew in for lead 11 and ended up committing to USC right before his flight. I bet he was like getting scanned in, then hit the thing. Uh, committed, tried to dodge you for an interview, tried to dodge me for an interview. Not really, we just couldn't find <laughs> each other. But I spoke with him at the check in. He was there catching passes, running routes for the quarterbacks. Brian Jackson, the McKinney, Texas three star running back out of Texas, uh, he was a committed prospect. He was there as well. He did not participate in the whole whole thing because he obviously visit. he had to take an official visit. Busy weekend for them, for him, but he was really excited to come out and compete with these guys. Uh Xavier Jordan was listed on the roster. I'm not sure if he ever was uh made it out there to compete with them, but there was also some other like smaller targets and guys in 2025 classes that were out there. Uh Jeremiah Smith, the five-star Ohio State. Uh, commit was also out there catching passes him and his teammates took a unofficial visit to usc that first day wednesday south florida express south teammate. south florida express who were in there for ot7 which we'll talk about but yeah elite 11 happens every year we're there every year even if it's not super uh relevant for usc which hasn't been a long time because there's always been a quarterback but this year was especially kind of dry when it comes to signal callers.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, you covered the Elite 11. I was at OT7. So, I think, you know, certainly the video of Brian Jackson was was yeah. great to see just watching him move in space and seeing how quick he is and, and how dynamic he is at a listed 240 pounds. Uh, I guess, you know, from your standpoint, just getting to see him in person, um, he didn't make any... MVP teams from the Elite 11. Uh, Neither did Walter Matthews. Now, I think with Brian Jackson, because he wasn't there for the whole event, that probably stands to reason they're they're not going to put you on an elite uh, all team uh, if you're not going to every day of the actual event. Uh, But Walter Matthews, uh, there was two other tight ends picked ahead of him. So what did you see from your homer eyes, Chris? We need the
3: homer. We need to to, to reinforce that these guys – are worth taking for USC. Uh, a couple things. People are calling you Garage Martinez. Garage <laughs> Martinez. Uh, yes. And then Moneybags Manford stepped in and said, $10, this is for hurricanes, blood, sweat, and tears. We appreciate it. So look no at Tears. That. Of, no tears. A little bit of uh, You're putting yourself out there. Got you $10, Gerard. So congrats on that. And someone pointed out uh, the Elite 11, the COVID year, was in Nashville. Was it? God, so, I don't remember that at all. Nashville, man. Yeah, I think a lot of people have blocked out uh, 2020 and as a general uh, rule of thumb. So we'll take your word for it. But I do vaguely recall that being in Nashville. But yes, Walter Matthews, very large human being, still in my belief that he has a uh, tackle body mm-hmm. and could be an offensive lineman. But it was good to see him out here move. He he moved better than I expected it because when I see him on campus or when I saw him on campus, you know, he's not running routes or anything. Right, yeah. He's just like chilling, standing there. So it was nice to be able to see him kind of get out, move out of his brakes, you know, bend a little bit. It's harder for a big man to do that. But I talked with Brian Jackson about him. He was like, yeah, I'm glad he's on my team. They were put in the same group together, which was uh, a a blessing for producer ryan who i could literally see on the floating table, yeah. in he's the goddamn pool like nothing yeah. i wonder if he's watching us right he's on, he's on the phone you he watching he's us probably not uh probably not but he was a lucked out producer ryan because he was filming these guys and they were in the same group so it was easy for them to do but i was talking to brian jackson he was like yeah it's very surprising to see a big man move like that and a big man that size should not be moving like that so Walter Matthews was a little more athletic than I, I I had given him credit for, so props to him. You know, still not as fluid as a guy like Deuce Robinson, obviously, right. who's a high level athlete like that. But Walter Matthews could move a little bit. You know, they didn't really like test them deep. I'm a little disappointed that Walter did not participate in the rail shot challenge. I think he only did one rep at the end. Uh maybe it was they considered it cheating because he's so tall, uh, there at the end. And then Brian Jackson, you know. I heard a lot of people – obviously, he's a bigger body running back, more of a power kind of guy. But You said he – one of the famous quotes from
0: season one yeah. of the podcast was that Brian Jackson is actually bigger than Sam Green. Now, I think he's smaller
3: than Sam Green. Uh-huh. Okay. is exactly.
0: Sam Green has gotten
3: bigger or just because – I think Sam Green has gotten a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm and brian jackson has slimmed down a little bit okay he seems so like he, he's 240 anymore or? i don't think he's 240 i would say 220 oh okay. i would say that uh so with that being said i thought he moved really well for a size i was surprised by how you know he was doing kind of those you know those routes running backs from where they kind of jump in the air midway through like they get a high point in the yeah and, yeah, point yeah. so he was doing a lot of that and i thought he looked really good there was a stretch where i was trying to get a video for for YouTube or not YouTube, uh, Twitter. But every time the pass was either too high yeah, yeah. or was just way off, or it was it hit him in the hand. So it wasn't a great stretch when I was trying to get a video. But there were some early passes where he looked really athletic. Good job high pointing the ball. Looked like he can get up in the air, jump a little bit. So showed a little bit of athleticism because obviously we're not running watching him run through the tackles or anything like he's he yeah. out there in his shorts
0: and always that's a yeah. that's a difficult against air non-contact camp to really make a great evaluation. You're you're only gonna put so much into an evaluation of a running back at a camp. I, I, I will say just watching the video that we shot of him, just the ISO film. Uh, He does change direction very quickly Mm -hmm. for a guy that big.
1: Um,
0: He's very quick. He's got some suddenness to him. Um, I think, you know, 240 pounds, you start to think, could he be an H-back? You know, is he a guy that you you slip in there and you do a little uh, tabo sort of thing maybe, uh, which USC is kind of experimenting with that going forward. You know, all the H-backs that they had last season were all just converted tight ends, so they're all very tall. Normally, your H-back tends to be a little shorter, a little more agile, um, you know, we kind of talked about the, 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 attributes you have to have in the passing game. Cause a lot of times you're going to end up in the flats and you got to turn and catch that ball and you, your shoulders and your hips and everything. And then you got to get up field quickly. So with the H back position, you tend to need a little more agility and a guy that has some experience playing the running back position really helps. And so that's where Kate Eldridge comes in. He played uh running back, even though he's 6'4 35 and Brian Jackson, Slimming down is, is, is interesting because then you, you're going, okay, well, maybe not so fast. Uh, maybe he is just playing straight uh, running back. Uh, but nevertheless, I thought he looked really good. I mean, I I, I didn't see anything from that film. Like him catching the ball, just his movement, his running that made me think, oh, you know, that's maybe a little bit of a reach for, for USC. I think um, that's a nice get for, for USC, uh, a big back. That um, again shows a, a good bit of footwork and suddenness
3: that you don't normally see from guys that are that big. Uh just want to point out we have a twenty dollars donation from Richard Rohr. I, I hope I said that right. Thank you it's very, very much, Richard Super Chat. Uh, keep up the great work. Hashtag Mango Cart. Mango Cart. Hashtag Mango. The cart. Mango Cart Incident. The Mango Cart. Too many mango 20- carts for Ryan. Too many mango carts for Ryan. But yeah, so those are my, kind of my observations uh, from those two guys. So those are two guys, you know, we wouldn't normally get to see. So I'm excited that right. we were able to get. Brian Jackson was just a kind of a random. He was just there. I thought there was some rule about you couldn't participate in a camp if you were coming in for an official visit. visit. Something I think there was something weird that maybe would be holding him yeah. back from that. But he was just like, I was staring at the line and I was like, that looks like Brian jackson <laughs> and what gave it away is he has kind of like the uh you know when guys get the uh the lines the in their lines eyebrows. in their eyebrows Yeah, yeah. i saw that and i was like and i pulled up his pictures and i was like okay i see it and i just texted uh one of our texas guys just a very small detail to keep consistent because a lot of times i'll go and i'll see
0: a kid early in the spring and then he has a completely different look and haircut and it's like I don't recognize him. I'm like, who is this kid? And, and it's somebody that I actually known and I've seen play in person a couple of times. And it's just wild. Cause I mean, they're getting older. Like you see kid it's 2025 and you know, you saw him real early on and all of a sudden you see him the next summer and it's like filled out, bigger, a little taller, his hair is all grown out. And it's just like completely different. Or oh, he's got braids now and he didn't yeah. have braids before. So that was a good call by you. Um, Seeing him and being able to uh, see him early and and get some some decent video for for the boys and girls at home. So um, interesting that we got to see the Elite Eleven and going almost simultaneously. Uh, there was some overlap there yep. on Thursday. You had the OT Seven Camp or Passing Tournament, I should say, Championships. Which, championships, which Chris covered in Phoenix. Was it Phoenix or Vegas? Vegas, Vegas, last summer. Which and fun. It It was was, well run. It was bigger um, last year. I I think it had a little more talent. It was in July, and for whatever reason, they decided to do it in June this year. And obviously, the 2024 class are all taking official visits. So you really didn't have any big time 2024 kids there uh, outside of, you know, Jeremiah Smith was one of the biggest. Um, We talked to him at the Elite 11 uh, registration, which you know, he was there earlier in the week because it started a day earlier. And uh, no interest in USC. <laughs> no interest in USC. Uh, right now there for USC. You know, he had some connections there and some things and, um, you know, actually uh, maybe uh, some feeling like he was going to be welcome maybe a little more. There would be a bigger deal for having him on campus. Uh, but I think USC is, is basically um, – focused on the players that uh, they were bringing in that weekend at the wide receiver position. Don't want to waste time or resources. And, yeah, they don't want to spin their wheels, and they felt like that one was uh, basically spinning their wheels. So uh, we did see Jeremiah Smith both at Elite 11 and OT7. I can tell you, he's great. And he's, 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 he's a very good player. Filled out quite a bit. I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but, I mean, we're talking about how players, you know, look different. And uh, he's uh, got, like, braids and yeah. he's, like, bigger. You know, he's, he's not as uh, kind of scrawny, kind of skinny kid last year when we saw him at Pylon. And uh, he's definitely filled out a bit. Uh, we saw him go up against the Trillium Boys. Uh, that was the first game that they played in the OT7 tournament. And he had some matchups against some 2025 cornerbacks, both Devin Sanchez out of uh, North Shore in Houston and Dejan Lee out of uh, Mission Viejo here locally. And uh, he diced up Dejan Lee on, on a couple of uh, plays. Uh, didn't actually get the ball, but nevertheless, with those routes, uh, you know, Dejan was, I think, a little bit overwhelmed, and he was like, whoa, this dude's fast and he's big. I don't really know how to handle this. I don't see a lot of guys like this. Um, Devin Sanchez had a better outing against him. Uh, clearly, just a little more comfortable. I don't know if it's just because he's been to multiple camps and you know maybe he's seen some of those guys before, but he just knew how to play Jeremiah Smith a little better. Um, not to say that Dijon had a bunch of catches against him, but again, it was even some of those routes where you know. Uh, If the ball was thrown to uh, Jeremiah Smith, it it would have been a catch. Uh, Not so much against Devin Sanchez, who actually had a PBU to win the game against uh, South Florida Express in that first game of the OT championships. And so it was a 50-50 ball in the end zone. He read it perfectly. He never got into a turn and run situation. He got into his back pedal and he faded right over to that corner of the end zone. And it became a jump ball and uh, just, you know, it was a good play to be able to knock it away. Devin Sanchez does have a scholarship offer from USC. Uh, He is a, I think he's listed at like 6'3", 190 pounds. He is definitely all of that. Uh, Very well-built, another big cornerback, and a guy that uh, took his uh, first unofficial visit to USC, was eager to check out USC, grown up, loved Adore Jackson. But really at this point in time, could say enough good things about Ohio State. Uh, He had been to Ohio State already. He's actually uh, gone to Ohio State uh, from the OT7 tournament to the Ohio State camp. So Ohio State, the Buckeyes lead for his recruitment for sure. Uh, We didn't unfortunately get to talk to him after the unofficial visit to USC. Um, It probably made – it might have moved the needle for him for a little bit, but it felt like – he was already on his way to being a Buckeye. Like he was very clearly excited. In fact, he opened up the the interview when I asked him about that last play against Jeremiah Smith. Like, listen, man, you're a young guy, 2025. He's the number one wide receiver in the country. Like, what's going through your head? Kind of take me through your eyes at this point of the game. And he talked about it. And one of the first things he said is, "Hey, man, you know what?" He's one of the best receivers out here. He's really the best receiver out here by a good margin. And uh, hopefully, you know, if everything comes together, we'll be teammates uh, and suit up with each other in a couple of years. So that was that was kind of like right out of the gate. So I said, okay, so he really wants to go out state. And uh, indeed, he does. So USC, uh, you know, this is a little bit of an outsider uh, situation. They've got lots of time. Uh, but I think when you're talking about those two cornerbacks, um, It's definitely Dajon Lee is the guy that USC has the better shot at. And I would say USC has the best shot at. Uh, Lee is going to take an unofficial visit up to Oregon here this summer. And so we'll see how that impacts his recruitment. But I think family-wise, he has a great relationship with Dante Williams. And USC is kind of the team to beat for him right now. He's 6'4", 180, 185 pounds. Uh, very raw still, just still getting into, you know, how to use his body. He's very long. Um, a- another very interesting cornerback, you know, we, we're, we're, and we're going to see much more of that. I think I mentioned on the Peristyle podcast or it was the recruiting podcast, the, the the change in body type of cornerbacks going all the way to the 2027 class and seeing some of those really young guys that are already 6'1", 6'2", and they're 7th and 8th graders and they're all wanting to play cornerback now. They're, they're none of them are receivers, and so that's the new thing. That's the trend. You're going to see tons of guys that are 6'3", 6'4 playing the cornerback position. And whether that's their best position or they just feel like they stand out more at that position because it's been a little more unique uh, remains to be seen. You know, some of those guys might get pushed back over to playing receiver. But uh, big guys like uh, DeJon Lee uh, and, and and Malachi uh, Crawford
3: are going to be seen uh, more often. Uh, each cycle, I think. And I feel like we're going to see a lot more young guys this weekend because we have yeah. uh, USC's passing tournament will be on Saturday and they have another elite camp, elite camp number three. Is that three? Correct? Three. Will be on Friday evening. That's going to be Friday night. It's going to be
0: Friday night lights at USC, which last year that was the camp where you had Dakota Fields which went a long ways, in my opinion, of kind of getting him back into the fold for USC. He was all Oregon. All he could talk about was Oregon. And after that camp, you know, working with Dante Williams and just being around this coaching staff for a, a, an extended period of time, he really kind of warmed up to USC. And he was talking USC, and then he took another couple of visits to Oregon, and it became Oregon again, and then USC. Uh, but DeSean Lee was at that camp, and I remember pounding the table saying, that's a guy usc should, should offer. offer they I should know. offer then really i mean honestly I, that's an offer guy like right you know offers we know what offers mean that was an easy offer to make um sort of like the eliza rushing uh, offer but nevertheless um yeah we'll see if this is this is like the bigger camp if this is uh, uh better attended from the 2000 you know 25 26 kids uh, guys that are a little closer to making a decision than, you know, watching the 2027 kids, which I know that for the Trojan fans at home are like, OK, wake me. It's 2027 and it's the summer of uh, we're getting you know closer to that year. It's 2026 and we can actually care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we know that
3: so much changes, uh, you know, from from week to week, month to month, let alone year to year. And. Did we talk about Anquan Figgins? Yet? We did not. We did not because he was kind of like the top USC relevant person at OT7, especially yeah. among the 2025 guys because he is USC's only commitment in 2025. And a pretty big one, a five-star safety prospect out of Alabaster, Alabama, committed to USC very shortly after Traquan Bagans, Fegans committed to USC out of the transfer porter from Alabama, a former four-star prospect out of the same area. So Anquan joining his brother Traquan shortly after and is going to be a Trojan. And as we know, he is a five-star prospect. So it was very easy to figure out who was going to talk to Mr. Anquan Feagans. That's five stars only. Jared Perez caught up with him at OT7. And yeah, Had some nice things to say about USC, obviously, back out here for Southern California. uh, USC has a nice start to that class, but I know they would love to add a little bit more to 2025. Yeah, certainly. I mean,
0: it's it's a nice start. And Anquan sort of reinforced what we talked about when he committed. A lot is tied into his brother. Mm -hmm. The one thing that was interesting is that he made it very clear, you know, he wanted to leave state. And his brother leaving Alabama made that a much easier path, but he kind of wanted to do that at the jump. And so uh, I don't think Alabama is going to be a big player for him, but certainly USC locks him in. If Traquan has a great career develops into being a, uh, you know, a, a high draft pick, I think you're good to go with Anquan. If, Traquan struggles, doesn't see the field or what have you. Then I think it's going to be a little more difficult, and there's going to be a bunch of other teams in the South that are going to recruit him. Um, he is, uh, by everybody's account, the best safety in that class. I mean, really, with Devin Sanchez and Dijon Lee and Anquan Figgins, and you know Chris Hawkins, who's a former Trojan safety, he coaches uh, for for Trillium Boys. Uh, the seven on seven outfit, uh, which those those kids are a part of, and you know he was talking about vegans early on, and there's actually a couple different vegans, uh in the 2024 and 2025 class. So I you know I talked to him about it, and I really it didn't really even hit me until Anquan, until Troyquan Figgins was 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 a, was was being recruited by USC out of the portal, and I realized he had a younger brother, and I go. Oh, he's the kid that he's been talking about that plays for Trillion. Now, he didn't play in the tournaments locally, so we never saw him. But he hooked up with them at some of their national tournaments. And obviously, this being the championships, he came out here. And Chris just does not say enough good things about Anquan Figgins, about how good he is. And so he's like, yeah, he is the real deal. He, Devin Sanchez, uh, DeJon Lee, they also had Darius... Uh, Dixon come out the modern day corner in the 2025 class Sunday for them. And Anquan had just literally come from the airport Sunday to play in their first game. So he wasn't there like the whole week. He had a tournament at the university of Alabama with Thompson high school, his, his high school team. So he had that high school team uh, tournament that he had to be a part of. And then he flew out just basically for that Sunday um the list of games which was the championships and it was a elimination tournament at that point so um but Figgins is um i think goes as Figgins goes if we could say that it's going to be Traquan leading the way for Anquan and if that works out for Traquan, and and he says right now he lo- he loves LA you know Anquan talked a little bit about that transition for his brother and says you know he loves
3: it out here and he predicts big things he's going to he's going to put up big numbers this well, year oh you heard it you heard it from Anquan Figgins first yep. And prediction for his brother. A uh, couple more kind of smaller things to to note on. We've we've had this kind of topic for our podcast over the last month um, or so. Housekeeping, if you will. Del Celentro, housekeeping. Uh, that's USC targets. You know, visiting elsewhere, committing elsewhere. We have a couple of those on the board. West Orange, New Jersey, defensive back Jalen McClain, who ver- who visited that first weekend of uh, June ended up uh, committing to Penn state. No, uh, Jalen McLean is yeah. Ohio state, Ohio state, excuse me, big 10 bound as well. Ohio state. He's off the board. Uh, then Huntington beach, California, offensive lineman who was slated to visit this weekend. And it's sort of the catch all week. And we'll get more into specifics of that. Justin, <laughs> Taunau, uh, out of Huntington Beach offensive lineman went ahead and committed to Stanford, which Stanford has kind of been on a roll yeah. with their commitments with uh Elijah Brown, uh met Mosley today. Yeah, but Mosley that today, hard, right? uh, Naki Tuakoy, the linebacker who USC had offered uh, out of NorCal, they got him as well. So Justin Taunau committed to USC. Producer Ryan just walked in with his towel on, lo- loving his, living his best Ryan life. Update, Ryan update, he did. He did actually
0: go in the pool. He was just chilling uh, on the floaty and then uh, decided to go take a full-on dip. So uh, he is now um, in uh, trans. Formation
3: – I don't know if he's taking a – probably taking a shower now. And then Converse – we'll give you an update on his shower status uh, as we move on. And then Converse Texas safety Miles Davis, who also visited that first weekend of mm-hmm. June. Little mm-hmm. crystal ball stock market in terms of our half He's His rock chip uh, position there. Has crystal ball to mm-hmm. Texas, the Longhorns. So, you know, that was someone we hinted at heavily on the uh, – you know, it's getting, it's getting a little. Uh, got to move around a little bit. You know, we've been here for almost three hours, but was someone we kind of hinted at being potential emoji from the May period? Sorry, he wouldn't visit on June. He visited in May. Who are we talking about? Uh, Miles Davis.
0: Yeah, he just yeah, so. uh, he was part of the uh, the Edric Houston um, Midlothian uh, group that uh, hit campus and got that crystal ball. After that, uh, might have been an emoji, maybe. I don't know. I heard that what uh, emoji gate 2023. Uh, but again, a, a more emphasis on the emojis and silent verbals, and not getting too caught up in that stuff. You know, these kids aren't going to go public right away with it. Uh, it don't mean a whole lot. And so, um, you know, we, we, we talked about Texas still having that official visit, and him still wanting to see Texas. And so he wasn't ready to shut it down, and now it seems like Texas is back in the mix, and he's going to go and and make that move to Texas. And so, yeah, the safety position at USC has been wild. You know, Jarvis Boatwright coming out of nowhere, out of Clearwater, the honey hole of Clearwater, Florida. For USC, uh, an interesting pickup for USC, coming off an ACL surgery, uh, a guy that you know we just haven't seen a whole lot of, but um, did play really well early in his career, and that's why he was able to be a four-star despite not playing much last year. And, um, you know, kind of trying to see what happens with Peyton Woodard, you know, how's that going to play out? He had a really good visit with USC, uh, a great talk with him. Um, you know, he discussed a little bit. Uh, his experience on campus, getting to have breakfast with Troy Palomalu and how far back he goes of being a Troy Polamalu fan. We had a write up on that, uh A week or two ago, Uh, you can check that out on the site. Just go to his profile if uh, you missed that one. Uh, But, um, yeah, the safety position has been uh, evolving and been uh, kind of interesting. You know, a lot of people, as I said before, I think penciled in Jason Mitchell to be one of the guys that was going to be a part of the safety class. And, uh, you know, there's been some other guys that have popped up. You know, with Miles Davis, it's interesting because I think we got – a question a couple of weeks ago, uh, which was, I don't know, it was just one of those things like, you guys are not critical enough of the recruits that USC's in on and has a chance at. You're only critical of the guys that USC loses out on, right? They're, it paraphrased the question, which I, I don't agree. And I kind of underline Miles Davis as being one of those guys, as, you know, watching the film and going, okay, I mean, do you need to go? to Converse Texas to find Miles Davis? I don't think so. Like, there wasn't anything there that popped off at the tape. And that was when we thought USC was, uh, you know, going to get him, and he was basically a silent verbal for USC. And so uh, that's a, that's one that's like, okay, it comes and goes. Um, there are some other players that are in the mix there at the safety position. And, you know, we'll we'll see how it all comes together. If, uh, indeed, they're able to wheel in Peyton Woodyard, I know Chris and I both have we have different sources on this that have told us almost the exact same thing. Uh USC just has to keep recruiting Peyton Woodyard. It doesn't matter what he does now, spring, blah blah blah. It just, you know, by the end of the year, just keep recruiting him and they'll have a good shot at him. And yeah. I, I believe that to be true. Now, is that what USC does? Do they want to do that? Do they want to say no way? We're gonna have all our safeties committed by the end of summer. I don't know. I can't I can't predict that. But if they want to stay in it with Peyton Woodyard, they just gotta keep that conversation, keep their foot in the door. And there are people that feel like he will eventually be
3: a Trojan. Yeah. So we'll see how that plays out. And that's something, you know, the long game in recruiting because what's gonna happen with Georgia? Pain Woodard could be loyal to Georgia, but will Georgia be loyal to him? So Georgia's already got a
0: few safeties uh, committed. So yeah, you could make the argument that uh, loyalty wise, there there are already sort of question marks there. And all the people that feel like Ohio State's actually uh, maybe the school to beat right now for him. And so again, you know, it's it's just a matter of consistency and being involved in his recruitment. And if USC is able to improve, you know, this year and there's momentum there. Uh, the people I talk to say hey, it's going to be hard for Peyton Wood to walk to away from that, to turn his back
3: on that. And kind of our final two points before we move into kind of the listener portion of the podcast. Uh, USC did have an unofficial visitor last weekend, and that was Salt Lake, Utah offensive guard Nuka Mafi, which kind of speaks to maybe – some of them are just keeping tabs on Plan B for their one of their guard spots, Plan B for Makai. Sena, you know, do they lock that down? Do they not lock that down? Because as we've heard, you know, USC offer – he does not have an offer, which I just want to point that out. USC offer would be a pretty big one yeah. for him, and maybe he would jump on it as quick as he can. So USC kind of keeping – uh, Nuka in the in the picture kind of keeping him warm trying to see what's going to happen with the rest of their offensive line class can they close on some other guys maybe they circle back to him but just getting him on campus and showing hey we are interested but you know we, we want to see if anyone's going to get on the rocket ship at this point and that whole theory of or theme of plan b's kind of fits into this final official visit weekend, as we've discussed earlier in the show, that was kind of the Plan B, kind of the catch-all official visit weekend. You know, you had Elijah Brown on there. Yeah, not going to take that visit. Uh, Justin Taunau, Uh he was going to go visit that weekend. He was committed to Stanford, so a lot of these visits have fallen through. And another one that just hit kind of recently, before we even started this podcast, is three-star Bellflower St. John Bosco linebacker Jordan Lockhart who had set up his schedule so that 23rd would be his final U, his final official visit to USC. And he tweeted out shortly, uh, like, what are we, three hours ago, that he was going to be committing tomorrow yeah. after his Texas A&M visit. And, which I believe he originally had June 30th. Yes, he originally is- had June 30th, planned to still take that USC official visit on 23rd, But obviously, things have changed, and he's committing tomorrow, and that doesn't bode well for USC (laughs) to commit before you take the visit. So, another one that has looked like it has fallen through for USC in the 23rd. So, what I'm saying is it's going to be a very lonely uh, 23rd visit weekend.
0: Yeah, and we have to, I guess, probably should check in with David Polypale, the Lansville Pennsylvania defensive tackle who uh, would kind of seem like he was going to end up going to Michigan and, and the official visit to USC didn't think it was going to happen. And then it sort of manifested a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. It felt like they circled back
3: on him yeah. as kind of a plan B option because he was supposed to take an unofficial visit after his offer when they offered him. You know, It was a big he visit. Did. He was really excited about it. his whole family. He's like USC fans. You know, He's all the way in Pennsylvania. So he was big on it but never took the visit and then schedules an official visit after unofficially visiting USC for the first time two weeks ago. Yeah. So it feels like Sean Nua kind of circled back, went back at him and say, Hey, we'd love to have you out here. Took the visit and then set up an official visit. And Now it's a top three, uh, Michigan, Penn state and the Trojans Trojans scheduled to get that visit this weekend. Uh, Six foot two, 308 pound defensive lineman out of Lansville, Pennsylvania. So there's a chance he's the only visitor this weekend. So him and Sean knew we're gonna have a lot of time together.
0: <laughs> Definitely, you know, and and some reading between the lines with uh, the Nuku Mafia
3: unofficial visit during the Golden Hour uh, official visit weekend. Does that mean he can't participate? No, he can't. He was so you know, he was on the dock just like watching them. Like yeah, she's like it, waiting like the Squidward you know, like. It's, it's, a, it's a little
0: odd to have an unofficial visit when you have that many official visitors on campus. So, yeah, it definitely raised some eyebrows. And, uh, again, you know, maybe just a, some some sort of backup plans kind of, you know, in the mix. Now, Mafi plays defensive tackle and offensive tackle, mm-hmm. uh, but he, he talked to both Sean Nua and he talked to Josh Henson. So that tells me he's look, being looked at as an offensive lineman. Now, Blair Angulo. Uh, who uh, we like to just call Banglo affectionately. Uh, he's our guy. He's a... He's, he's he's a cilantro boy.
3: He's a cilantro he's boy. Like Blair Flair. Blair Flair. A, a Very public apology to him <laughs> yeah. on this podcast. So, yeah, he's a friend of the pod. We've got to get him on one of these days. We do. We could get him out here. He could come out with the wife. He's got a little boy now, though. And so, uh,
0: I don't know if Ryan... if uh, This is a toddler-friendly uh, casa. But, nevertheless... Really high on Moffy. Really likes him. And uh I said, Blair's only a three-star, so you gotta like him more. But he uh he's, he he thinks he's he's a big time player and um probably offensive line projecting. So that again, you know, you kind of kind of read between the lines and look at Makai Siena and think, okay, maybe that's where they're kinda of making sure that, okay, maybe if that doesn't work out, we have someone else it's It's definitely an interesting dynamic. It's evolving because you also have to take into account that DeAndre Carter at one point was penciled in at one of those guard spots um so we're gonna see you know how everything sort of plays out uh with the aggressiveness, you know in some instances, it's obviously worked. In other instances it have it you know they were uh, very aggressive with the Dylan Riola recruitment and kind of shut it down from from everybody else and they've been aggressive in trying to push to get certain commitments done sooner rather than later this summer and we'll see you know if it if it all works out for them so um very some very interesting to watch that that whole dynamic there uh with the interior offensive line really looks like that guard spot that other guard spot uh USC's looking to fill and um i think more interesting than you know necessarily the the safety spot with, uh, with Miles because, I mean, I think you do have some other options there at safety. Um, Galegos was a guy that I didn't mention is is obviously, you know, kind of projected to end up at USC. But we're going to have to see what happens with uh, David Palepale and see if he makes it to campus. Uh, Michigan was the projected leader coming in to the visit. Uh, and with Lockhart, yeah, it um, kind of feels like it's going Texas A&M's way right now. Uh, have not really gotten any confirmation right now. Uh, as to you know whether there's a I, I mean, let's just say it looks like it's Texas m right now. <laughs> um, but uh, nevertheless, I mean it, it, behind him or I should say ahead of him really more accurately, Kingston Valiumu, Asa, you know obviously that's one of those inside linebacker spots. Tiantini Smith is another inside linebacker spot. Now when I look at Tianty Smith and I didn't get into him too much player evaluation wise, he is uh, more of a will, in my opinion. He's about 6'1", 205. He's a little smaller. He is fast. He is uh, very instinctual. Has great eyes. Takes very good angles. Never looks. Never looks like he's panicking in terms of his angles uh, with uh, his pursuit. You know, he 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 very much is, allows plays to develop and attacks or he attacks and he's, and he's in the play before the play can develop. And so I like the patience that he has as a, as a linebacker. Um, he, You know, he's got some film that, that kind of pops a little bit. Not necessarily a guy that you would look at as a Mike linebacker right out of the gates. He's got to put on a little more weight. Uh, but certainly if you're talking about getting more athletic on the inside – uh, that's a guy that's going to get you more athletic uh, ASAP. You
3: know? And he actually said they're specifically recruiting him for the will linebackers. Okay. okay. Yeah. My bad. I didn't read Chris's great article that you got to check out. Uh, I didn't shout out to Jordan Scruggs who actually got that interview for us. So it's go. kind of a, a two man operation there, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you, sh- you called it, you yeah. you your
0: evaluation was spot on. Definitely a guy that's a cleanup guy, you know, with that type of athleticism and speed. So when you're looking at the Mike position, Um, and, and, and not to say Jordan Lockhart was really looked at as a Mike either exclusively. I I mean, I think there was some talk about him playing inside, but he's also played more outside just at the high school level. He's never started any games for St. John Bosco though. So, you know there's, there's some projection going on with him as opposed to Kingston, uh, Valley. who has been a bit more productive and a bit more of a straightforward, okay, you're going to be an inside linebacker for us. And you're probably going to play Mike. So yeah. Uh, and if people have mentioned, uh, Salem, Virginia, four-star linebacker, Chris Cole as well. Another guy that has kind of risen up the rankings long gangly. He's got 6'3, 10. He took an unofficial visit to USC and I think, You know, I don't know if that was USC trying to figure him out and and figure out how much they wanted him or vice versa. He says he's going to come back at some point uh, during the season, and we'll see if that comes to fruition. He does – take quite a few official visits during the summer. Uh, I think he's got Miami this weekend. I believe his uh, father played for Miami. And so there's some lineage there. It wouldn't shock me if USC didn't end up getting one of those official visits or at least he he didn't commit. Uh, I mean, he may still get an official visit, but he didn't commit before the end of the summer. Uh, we'll see how that shakes out. But uh, certainly, you know, with Kingston, USC's put a lot on that. He just got done with the Notre Dame visit. Um, Ohio State is the big visit this weekend, uh, I think, for him. Is Kingston uh, visiting this weekend? Ohio yes, State? It's, yes. And this is usually uh, annually been the big visit weekend for Ohio State. But, you know, it's, it's interesting because you see guys come off the board and there's always that debate. You should have the last visit weekend. That should be your big visit weekend, right? But, I mean, again, with all these kids taking unofficial visits, it seems like there's guys that are just ready to get it done. And if you wait for the 23rd or the 24th, which is the last week of June to take those visits, there just might be guys off the board that you thought you were going to have a chance at. So, I mean, you know, you can argue either way. I I think that uh, you should be trying to push for the last visit, or maybe you should have an earlier visit. But again, this is kind of Looking like the last weekend for USC recruiting
3: is really that Golden Hour weekend. Yeah, that was obviously their big shot. They did all the fancy uh paid all their fancy vendors, you know, put the down payment on the yacht for the rental. They they put all that into this golden hour and you know, maybe but maybe uh David Pele Pele will have a very uh, nice time. it will be uh, very
0: intimate. I mean, listen, Peyton Wootiard and Kingston uh, Asa did not get a yacht, but they got Troy Palomalu. And they got like some one-on-one time with him and a lot of one-on-one time with the coaches. And you know, there's I mean, listen, there's a lot of different arguments to be made for strategy. You could argue forget the yacht. Forget, you know, I don't want to forget the yacht. <laughs> Nubu.
3: Nobu, I was that wrong. Ryan Nobu. with 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 disgust. Culture producer Ryan is like, oh Yeah. oh uh, um, you,
0: you could forget all the the events and just give the money to the kids and the nil. Um, there's to be made for that, right? Like it's just like, hey, pay the kids to go to the school. Uh, pay them up front. Say, hey, you commit. We're going to give you this much, which is supposedly illegal for, towards the NCA, but evidently, um, some schools haven't figured that out yet. Um, but so so yeah, there's there's different arguments in terms of you know, is is the smaller more intimate. Um, setting better that worked for Taka Curtis, mm-hmm. right? He he didn't want to be a part of the big weekend with everybody coming in. He wanted to spend more one-on-one time with Brian Odom. He wanted to see the vision that USC had with them. He wanted to hang out with players. He 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 just wanted more. Um, time, you know, with the coaching staff. And so, yeah, maybe it's just dependent on the recruit and that's got to be a read by the staff as to who you bring in when, but there's certainly arguments to be made for, for, for both the the big weekends and and the more intimate small weekends. So
3: we'll see uh, what actually comes of this weekend. If uh, there's anybody on campus. I'm adding a final note before we go to listener questions. Gerard, do you have any reaction from a recruiting sense of the new football facility that they announced? Yeah, you know, kind of
0: like not unexpected, but the fact that they feel it seems like they're trying to move forward to actually getting it built at this point, it, I thought it would just take longer, you know, honestly. I thought, okay, longer to be announced, about, you mean, or longer to be announced and longer to where they were talking about seriously, like okay, it, like this is happening, you know, sort of thing. It, it, it obviously we're not at a point where they're breaking ground yet, or there's a date on it, or a price tag, which is nice little renderings. The fact that they've even gone public to even give you renderings, I'm actually surprised. Um, I thought there would be probably another couple years of talk before they would even go that far. So um, it's, it's nice to see. It's interesting to see uh, how they want to put it in there, you know, how they sort of want to have the the side by side fields, right, instead of the the sort of shorter field that they have on Kennedy, and then the longer field. Um, it's it's more prototypical what you see with most colleges, the the two side by side fields, um, and then the actual uh, facility overlooking the practice field. So I would assume, and, and I have not,
3: you know, read the presentation of all the details. It would be a football only. Yeah, I believe it'll be a football-only facility, recruiting area, staff offices, yeah, uh, rooftop terrace. Yeah, that uh, in itself is is big because that
0: is something that USC has never had, and they don't have. And I think it does when you're talking about facilities, does sort of help. Um, You know, I'm not the biggest facility guy in terms of facilities are 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 going to help you land guys. I, I think that you know that's a little overrated. But I think if you're going to have a facility, the fact is you do have to have a football facility. Does it have to have, you know, the crazy like volcano in the middle and, and all this, you know, a river and a moat and, and Disneyland type stuff? The locker room floor is just sharks. Yeah, yeah just sharks. Shark aquarium. Clear, yeah, locker room with just like you could see the great white sharks floating around, and and then they die every three weeks, and you have to put new great white sharks in there. Um, yeah, I, I you know, the, the air conditioning, helmets, and all that other BS. No, I, I don't think that's a big deal. I just think that you have a football, football only facility that shows that. Look at this is this is the direction of the program. This is what the facility is. It stands for something, and it's not just like this hodgepodge of, Hey, USC athletics is really cool. You know, like we really like USC athletics and it's sort of everybody's here and and sort of thing. I I don't think that necessarily goes as far. So I do think a football only facility has been a long time in the making for USC and whether it's the biggest and it has the most plasma screens and the, and the most Nikes or whatever. I don't think that's quite a big deal as just having a football only facility to say, yeah, you know what? We have something for our guys, for our football team, and you are a football player, and that
3: matters to you. This is your space and only your space. And I forgot to put a, point this out on the uh, Parastop podcast, uh, producer Ryan, but this means that USC players will no longer have to cross the street right. to get to practice. They can just go hit the practice field right from there. There goes, and I know, there goes the, uh, the tunnel photos. Yeah, there goes the tunnel photos. I know every time I post like a TikTok or a video... My, Always, all the time, someone comments like it's crazy that USC players have to literally cross the street to get to the practice facility. I mean, uh, or the practice field. So, it's just big a deal. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they're crossing a highway. They they're used to a- they actually go all the way from the far side out of Heritage Hall. They
0: used to have the tunnel there. Oh, and they used to walk up a tunnel and then walk all the way past the track to where they go to the practice field so there's actually a longer walk for them so uh it's become shorter they're getting closer closer to the practice field out of the locker room and uh pretty soon they'll be able to step right out of the locker room onto the field there's something that wasn't in the docket that i uh i made a mention of and chris is always so good about capsulating you know like captions and things for for social media and i was surprised he didn't catch on to this um it's not something that I would want to post or something I would want to t- tweet because, you know, I'm an objective guy. I'm scared guy. what's going to come out of your
3: I'm an goodness. objective journalist,
0: analyst, and okay. I try not to be, you know, like the Homer type yeah. of uh analyst when it comes to things. But I caught on to something that – I don't know, man. It was sort of emblematic of recruiting and and it hasn't been brought up at all. There's actually two things. One, the patches – for the oh, Big Ten, yeah. which I thought was really cool. I hadn't seen those yet on all of, any of the player recruit photos that they had. Uh, and they took pictures with the jerseys on, and they actually had the Big Ten emblem on. thought that was interesting. They didn't see a whole lot of that talked about. But the other thing was Oregon's recruiting weekend. <laughs> it's some of the recruit folks' photos that came from Oregon and some of the things that went on USC. So you had USC recruits on a yacht cruising the bay and you had Oregon recruits taking photos in front of like a homeless man's mystery mobile. I don't know if any <laughs> people caught that. Th- I, I think it was
3: the- a VW. Bug. Yeah. Sure. If you want to call it a homeless man's motor uh, home, mystery, motorhome, Mo- mystery, mobile. Mi- mystery mobile from Scooby-Doo. Yeah. It, it was quite uh, a contrast yeah. of researches, culture, culture. Oh, culturally area that was just interesting it was just yeah i mean usc was definitely uh flexing the uh the usc-ness and la-ness of it all with their golden hour as they should because that's something that they will always have for them is location and the fact that southern california is a place where a lot of people live and want to be so yeah that was definitely a noticeable thing on twitter uh i was not going to go ahead and troll these guys i didn't want to good job because because uh, also are the you. kids were posting that and i don't want to like yeah, i know tweet that a little bit but it was. It definitely interesting. i know it was contrast of like they
0: had like guitars and they're in front of like a vw bug that had like nike shoes in it and i'm just looking at it going okay that's very organ that's very sort of like Hey, you know when we went to Portland, everybody was bragging about, oh, you know they have the most homeless teenagers in Jesus. the world. Like, and I was like, oh, that's that's cute. You know, that's kind of weird. That, you know, that's something that you're kind of talking about. But nevertheless, it, it's a very sort of campy, you know, living off the land sort of uh, vibe that you get. You know, when you're in in Portland and you're in Oregon, and there's USC where. The recruits are on in the bay. And I was like, that's very sort of emblematic of like the cultures of the two different cities and everything. But don't tell Josh Connerly that because he Thanks. says that uh Eugene is very much like
3: Seattle. Oh, okay. Well, so I'll, I'll I'll he he's from the area, so he, he can make go. those judgments on its own. Uh we do have a, another donation from Moneybags Manford, who I'm assuming the new facility will be named after in some capacity. Uh, but he gave ten dollars. Uh, this is to help get Bangalo on the next live show. See,
0: you know, Manford. See, the competition is a good thing, but Manford has now. Yeah, he's he's. He, he, Giovanni came at came at him pretty quick out of the gates. He shut it out real quick, and he just shut that down real quick. We don't have money, Mitch. We haven't seen money, Mitch, in a while. But money, Mitch was the only guy that was able to uh, to go toe to toe with with Manford there, uh, and uh, that hasn't happened any time.
3: So, Manford is king. Manfred is the man. Uh comment from Billy Franklin. I started watching the stream, then I watched someone else's full stream. Came back and you're still live. Yeah, that's the hey, experience hey, of uh, Composite Two-Star Live. That's how we do it. You leave and come back. Yeah, we're probably still going. So at this point, Dr. Disrespect has uninstalled Call of Duty about eight times. Yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's a reference I do not really uh, uh, understand. That's a uh, ch- uh, shotgun. Uh, Gerard loves a Dr. Disrespect. Uh, drop one day maybe the show will make it on twitch maybe one day when we can get it's a 24
0: hour dream of a podcast
3: yeah that's nightmare. still that's still like a pinnacle. the same audio
0: quality we have with this
3: <laughs> if only if only uh, it's time for listener questions now we have a bunch of emails that came in we do have a voicemail which I think they can hear this stuff um, I think podcast just, can, but- uh, the podcast can't it uh, looks like he just added another one. Uh, two headphones uh, to the phone, which is just like chef's kiss. <laughs> chef's kiss. Uh, do you want to go with listener questions in the chat right now, or do you want to knock out some? Uh, he wants to do a voicemail. Okay. Uh, producer Ryan's making a qu- uh audible here. So let's go with. But we're not going to be able to hear the voice. Yes, you can. No, we can hear it. Okay. I think okay.
2: you're just putting it up. Hey to Brothers, how's it going? Uh thank hey, Gerald, what is up? I really um, don't think you can hear it we're so just You know, it's considering all this stuff has had nationally and you know, looks like things went well over the weekend with the Boston boys. Mm-hmm. Um had a question for Gerald. What do you think the feeling is now for this class? I know you said by the beginning of, um the season, you thought there was a good chance to get the, the class to, you know, about 14, uhm, about 250 in points as far as the, uh, the composite rankings. What do you think is feeling now for National Fighting Day for when everything wraps up in early February? you think this is a recruiting class can get up into the top five? Do you think there's something that can approach like ninety and you know, even maybe three hundred uh post dampers You know, what, what do you think is the limit for this class? And, and, and even on a conservative side, right? even if things go well but don't you know we don't hit the hard USC doesn't hit on all the conference that's to hit over the next few weeks. So that's my question. That guys.
3: have a great day. One of it? I hope you could hear that it from superfan Eddie, but he basically asked Gerard, what does he think uh, the new potential for this class is? Does he, he want to increase what he thinks this, this class could end at for the summer?
0: And, and while we were actually podcasting, USC has actually dropped a spot.
3: They were no longer <laughs> in the top ten. Chris. It's always finicky. You know, you go up and then they'll move down one because something happened with the points. But yes, they have officially moved down to eleven. Well, the other ironic thing is, and, and Eddie brings this up, and this
0: is something that you know we kind of preface the, the rating and how ratings are going to change. There are going to be more uh, schools that get more recruits, and so there's going to be some changing in the rankings, but also changing in the ratings themselves because the number of recruits that are committed to each school is going to change. And so we were talking 160, and 160 was going to get USC in the top 10 coming out of – uh the the summer and so i was basically saying i could see usc being nine or eight by the time coming out of summer um that would be realistic for them you know it wasn't necessarily a prediction but it was i felt somewhat realistic for them right so they are number 11 right now and they're at 217 so they're above the two the 160 but again 217 only gets you to 11 now because now you've seen the top 10. The the top school is up at 296, right? That's 20 commits. That's Georgia. Normally what we see from the number one school on signing day on the high school ranks is around 305, 306 so Georgia is inching closer to that with 20 commits they've got three five stars committed so you know Georgia's class is probably coming close to being done here they're they're getting close to wrapping it up and at 296 you know that's that's close to it in terms of ratings so USc at this point being at 217. I think they're going to be in the top 10. I think they can stay in the top 10, be in the top 10. Now, the question is going to be, you know, is, is, is that top 10 going to be closer to, you know, five or is it going to be, you know, nine, eight? I think it's probably going to be like nine or eight. I don't think they're going to get top five. I don't think they're going to break in. I don't know who else is on the board potentially they would get unless they come back around for Aiden Breland, who's a five star. Um, I'm trying to think of. I
3: noted there's not a lot of five star juice
0: for that. Yeah. like, Like guys that, you know, they could potentially maybe flip. You never know. You know, there are always those those potential guys, maybe some quarterback or somebody um, at the end of the year. And then all of a sudden, again, you're going to have to joshle the class to some extent. But I don't know of any, like, you know, quarterback, again, right here, right now, unless something completely changes. And I mean completely changes because at this point we're being told USC is not going to take a quarterback in 2024. Uh, we did talk to DJ Lagway a little bit saying, you know, USC still – talking to you at all or anything and and granted that interview you know going in even if they were maybe he wouldn't want to talk about that because he's committed to florida but it didn't seem like it either though it it seemed like even talking to walter matthews about dj lagway because obviously florida was recruiting walter matthews very hard and, and that was kind of the other school that was involved with him he kind
3: of well, you chris you tell the story of of his response to well yeah i wanted to ask because dj lagway was recruiting him for florida and it was down to florida and usc so i asked are you going to play a little bit of a Uno you know, reverse card on dj lagway and kind of recruit him for usc knowing that they don't have a quarterback for 2024 and he kind of like he didn't get offended but he was like he was like what <laughs> he was like usc's lincoln's not taking a quarterback in 2024 that's that was his response to me so very interesting, a little scoop from him. And it seems like, you know, Lincoln's looked at the quarterback landscape. You know, you missed Santa Arreola, uh, DJ Lagway, Elijah Brown, you know, it's kind of been parting of your ways, so maybe we don't need we don't need a quarterback for 24. And if so, I can just get one in the portal.
0: Yeah. USC's
3: got twelve commits right now. I'd have to crush
0: the numbers in the calculator to kind of get to where they would end up being. It's tough because I mean I I put you know, certain guys in there going into the summer and some of those guys haven't commit yet. So, you know, there's still that upside of the class because you get guys like Cameron Fountain and Manasseh Atite, uh, some guys that we didn't think would be a part of the class that are part of the class. Right. So let's supplement it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm going to say top 10, but I'm a little gun shy about going into top 20 with let's say 20 commits. Um, I or excuse me, top five uh, with 20 commits. But again, I got to kind of like crush the numbers and see who's left there. And, you know, also keeping into account that there are going to be some additions to some of these other schools that are already still ranked ahead of USC. You know, Oregon's got 16 commits, right? So they've got more commits, but 16, they're going to add to that as well. So, you know, do they jump Oregon? Um, remains to be seen, but yeah, i Kind of have to look at that, um, I think, uh, going forward and, and maybe next week we'll kind of get into as we as we get closer to the end of all this, you know, yeah. it's kind of crazy June. We'll look back, look back at it. There's obviously going to still be some some commitments that have to come, uh, but we may just have a little better idea of sort of, uh, you know, where everything sits. And even with some other schools where everything sits once you get past that last weekend and some more verbals come in.
3: Let's jump to a email question. And just a reminder, if you want to send us an email, you can email us at at podcast.uspeople.com. Just put the composite, Two Star Recruits, uh, Fire and Producer Ryan. That will also go to my inbox. Uh, let's start off with this first one from Joan Levi's. Joan Levis. I think I think it's Joan Levis. I think there was a little... Joan Levis, yes. Yeah, of, of uh, Meredith schlosser fame <laughs> uh, i'm really curious why we are not in contention for any of the modern day linemen brandon baker deandre carter aiden breland so bizarre we seem to be making amends at bosco but are not doing well with modern day what's really going on there thanks and fight on this is a very popular question yes in the chat all day is like why are we going after aiden breland what's up with brandon baker what happened to DeAndre Carter? A lot of it's about Breedland, though, because local five-star defensive lineman right in your backyard. Yeah, that's something yeah. USC fans are really interested in.
0: Another guy that – okay, so, well, I guess I can't question the five-star because USC's not really involved with them too much. So that would be looking like sour grapes. So we won't we'll go down that road. But five-star, uh, that's, there's, there's a great uh, – <laughs> That's kind of sums it up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're just
3: looking at the uh, the the, the screenshot for the second. Ryan has taken. He does a good job making me look like a moron. Um, Which is why we do uh, fake ones on the Parastop podcast. Yeah, these he,
0: days, Chris, Chris basically protested. And said, nah, I'm tired of looking weird and awkward in the thumbnail. If I'm going to look weird and awkward, it's going to be on my turn, on purpose." Um, but nevertheless, back to uh, the topic at hand. Um, so, all different situations. You know, Brandon Baker, nil. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But okay. it, it's an NIL situation with uh, DeAndre Carter, uh, not on the same timeline commitment wise as USC and USC wants to get things done. Now they've got guys they like, and they're going to take those guys and DeAndre Carter uh, has decided to move on and look at other schools and uh, Aiden Breeland uh, just, I don't know, man. I, I really, that one, I, I don't really know a hundred percent. I think he's got people pushing him in different directions I will say, though, that it would definitely not surprise me if he ends up still officially visiting USC, let's say for the UCLA game. You know, he still ends up on campus. I've heard that, yeah, he's going to make a commitment during the summer, but it's not going to be over, really. You know, there's still going to be teams that recruit him, and he's still more than likely going to entertain interest post commitment. So that thing is not going to be done in the near future. So there's still potential there. You know, can the door open up again for DeAndre Carter? maybe uh, i'm not 100% sure but uh different situations not really a, a a sort of modern day thing uh whereas it felt like you know usc couldn't get any traction at bosco uh it's not necessarily true of modern day it's very strange though because you know with modern day even with some of the underclassmen you know during the spring i would say it was like late march early april uh there was such a good vibe at, at modern day i mean we were here and you know they they made a move with Xavier brown uh they were they were back at least uh, you know within striking range of Xavier of Brown. And that was before he he uh decided to to visit USC officially. There was some question like, is he gonna actually visit USC officially?
3: Um did a lot of work with Brandon Baker, getting back up there with Oregon. Yeah.
0: I mean, you know, Oregon uh, Clem, uh, Adrian Clem, their offensive line coach, uh, leaves Oregon. And, you know, Brandon Baker got down to USC a couple times for unofficial visits. And it seemed like, you know, there was there was some traction there and that they were, you know, maybe even like the leader at some point with him there. DeAndre Carter, longtime uh, favorite of, of uh, ending up at USC. And so yeah, there was this great vibe. Jordan Davidson, you know, really likes USC, kind of grew up a Trojan fan. Um, you know, could end up at USC and and you just felt like, oh wow, okay, they're doing really well at Modern Day. Can they counter that with, you know, also doing something at, at St. John Bosco? Because if you're able to lock down those two programs, and I think I'm gonna ask the question before, taking the field versus those two schools, right? And it's like, ah, oh, you I mean, you know, take the field probably almost because it's it's just you're really restricting yourselves. But having said that has a hell of a lot of talent at both those schools combined. And so now all of a sudden it's like, I don't want to say the tables have turned, but certainly it looks like they're doing a better job at Bosco. And now, you know, it's, 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 they've, they've fallen out of favor here with some of the top players of modern day. So, Are you saying they
3: can't have both? That's what you're saying.
0: <laughs> it kind of seems like that, right? Yeah. It's like one or the other, but um nevertheless, you know, I think as Greg said, and, and I would agree with him on this point for sure you're not really doing better at Bosco unless you're getting you know Peyton Woodyard or Kingston Vellmo also like the, the getting Marce, Marcellus Williams, I don't think is really an indication of anything at that point. uh you got to get one of those other guys as well and if you're able to get Xavier Brown at modern day. Then obviously all is not lost at Modern Day either, and I, I think USC has a pretty good connection to Modern Day. And um, the way things have kind of played out have, have been interesting, but are also sort of part for the course of recruiting and NIL being a thing that everybody's trying to figure out and how that goes. And and I would also add with that, as we get closer to Signing Day, you know USC becomes maybe a little more factor with NIL also because it seems like you know the schools are going to be aggressive and and there's talk of upfront money USC's not really involved with that very much um it's more of the opportunities you get when you enroll so the closer you get to enrollment you know maybe the more they're 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 going to be involved there so you know NIL is a wild card in all this you you could you could literally be a school come out of nowhere uh if you just decided hey you know, we're, we're going to make this guy our guy and we're going to, you know, try to get him a deal that's uh, that's going to blow him out of the water and it would change everything. And I'm sure that, that you know, well, look at the, the Jaden Rashada situation last year at quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was wild. He, yeah. he ends up at Arizona State after all of that, you know, Miami and all the aggressive NIL tactics that they've used and then slipping over to Florida. Five families, baby. After there was all this criticism of Florida's NIL program, and then he ends up going to Florida and going to Arizona State. Uh, So, yeah, there's going to be some more instances like that, not necessarily predicting that's going to happen with Brandon Baker, but certainly uh, you have to kind of keep in the back of your head that um, NIL can be something that uh, can change
3: the narrative very quickly in a recruitment. I got a couple questions here for you, Gerard, that kind of deals with the the back end stuff of uh, rec- the c- recruiting game. So I'm going to ask you uh, – this one comes from Rich. Question for Gmart. With all these commits committing in the past two weeks, your phone has got to be overloading with phone numbers. This isn't recruiting related, but I'd like to know how do you categorize your phone contacts by school, by stars, by state? How do you keep – how long do you keep the phone numbers? Sorry, <laughs> I just have to know this. Also, what does associate head coach and co offensive coordinator really mean under Lincoln Riley before Gerard Antos? I will just say, Lincoln Riley seems to be big on titles with his with his coaches, so yeah. I think it helps with uh, just like resume stuff. And then also, like it's important to coaches, yeah, yeah. It's important to coaches to have that specific title. And you know, with guys like Henson, the co offensive coordinator, he's not calling the plays, obviously. Right. But it's just as he described it, it's just someone to. Give advice and you know maybe look at it a different way than Lincoln Riley. Is well, doing. I think no, Henson is the offensive coordinator,
0: right? He's a co-offensive coordinator. He's he's offensive coordinator. Yeah, I'd have to look that. Lincoln up. is not an offensive coordinator; he's a head coach. So, I, Henson's the coordinator now. But we should say is right yeah what yeah. you're saying is, is is right in terms of play calling and, and what an offensive coordinator at one school would be compared to USC it's going to be obviously different if you're at a school that has a defensive minded head coach and you're the offensive coordinator you're calling plays you're doing the install yeah you have a lot more on your plate as opposed to you know being the offensive coordinator at USC where Lincoln Riley has uh, a bunch of say you also have Cliff Kingsbury uh, in your meetings as well who I'm sure is going to have some input so um, different approach Coach, what his responsibilities are, are are a bit different again we talked about this before though you know having his eyes uh, Josh Henson you know at the offensive line when you know Lincoln's looking at the skill positions I think is very beneficial to USC having a dynamic like that where your your offensive coordinator is your offensive line coach when you have the head coach as a as a quarterback coach as a as a guy that you know has worked with a bunch of different skill players uh, I think that's invaluable I think that's 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 a really good thing. Instead of the redundancy that we've seen with USC in the past, where you've got the head coach is a quarterback coach and the off to quarterback, uh, off to coordinator is a quarterback coach. But what? Why? Like to get your eyes in another position, get somebody who has a different perspective of what's going on in the game. What's going on when you're watching film, that's watching a different position than you. Why? You don't need two guys sitting there watching the same position. So um, yeah, I think that uh, that's a, that's a very good dynamic. The first question um, in terms of categories, I don't have any categories. It just you know, I look up
3: numbers by, by by. You can just put their name in there <laughs> immediately. So it's you not know, like twenty twenty five or like Bosco Jerry uh, twenty twenty. Today, I'm calling all the Bosco twenty twenty five kids. Yeah. Let me look at my
0: my my categories.
3: We're saying there's no rhyme or reason.
0: You're just zero when it comes to categories. There's no categorization of it. They're just in there by name. They stay in there a long, long ass time yeah. though. I really should. Um, I've thought else. about that many times. That Uh, There should be, like, let's look and see some random names from the past. Ishmael Adams. Anybody remember Ishmael Adams? I do. I happen to remember who Ishmael Adams was. What class is that? I don't know. I didn't put classes in at that point. And and actually still don't. I put high schools in. But he was from uh Oaks Christian. Went to uh UCLA. He was uh, a very it was small cornerback, uh, but very um stout, strong kid. And um I don't remember what class that was from, but that's from a while back. Ishmael Adams. There's there's one for you. There's there's some kids in here that I don't even really remember. Uh Philip Afia, I think twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. There you go. But well, you probably got that number earlier, right? Earlier than what? What do you mean? the like 2012 to- oh yeah. yeah he's probably a <laughs> junior or a sophomore uh Nelson Aguilar uh, oh. Salvin Ahmed um let's see uh Casimir Allen um
3: hey you got Bryson Allen
0: we were gonna full circle. We weren't gonna talk about that's really so, yeah, let's just see. If you, call him, call him.
3: if you don't know who that is, that's the new uh, defensive quality control analyst for USC who Gerard mentioned like I think I like Bailey Bailey recall covering him and here we have his number in in his phone still. So Markeith Ambles. People remember him. He was uh,
0: at USC at a certain point. Very interesting recruitment there. I think I shared that story about uh, Todd McNair basically saying, "Nah, he's, he's, we don't want to recruit him" uh, on the Pete Carroll staff, and then Lane Kiffin got hired, and Lane loved him uh, coming from Tennessee, and Todd had to go back to Atlanta and recruit him again after basically dropping him. That was kind of an interesting. Harry uh, Angelon.
3: Carry, yes, and right? Tight end, right? Um, but they used to call first round because he would make so many touchdowns in the scout team. Yeah. And he could he, never get on the field. No,
0: yeah, they can practice. Um, Andrews, Eric Armstead. Um, yeah, man. Like, Zach <laughs> Banner. Like, I, they're all in here. Matt Barkley. Yeah, they're just like old numbers that uh, Olawale Betku, Kenny Bigelow. Yeah. Um,
3: Elijah Blades, that's a name.
0: Elijah Blades, yeah. That's from my
1: era when I first started.
0: Yeah, Bubba Bolden. Um, a
3: lot of people <laughs> would kill to have your uh, <laughs> fingers. Hair.
0: All the Gary Bryants. Uh, <laughs>
3: yeah. I mean,
0: Sees, man. <laughs> we could go on forever. Brandon, Yeah, Brandon Campbell. All kinds of guys. All kinds of guys. So, yeah, they,
1: just, uh,
0: they stay in there.
3: Yeah. Um, for what you never know, man. Hey, Portal. And this kind of this kind of uh, continues a similar question from Matt W. Question for Gerard on building relationship with new recruits. What's your sales pitch when making contact with a high school recruit and their parents for the first time? Is there a feeling out process where you have to gain their trust, or do you already have an understand or do they already have an understanding of the role you play in recruiting? Do you ever ask for anything in return for chatting and providing you with info? I imagine the players being teenagers are eager to talk with you, but parents may be a little bit weary. How do you overcome this potential obstacle to do your job, especially if it's local recruits that USC is heavily involved with? Many thanks. Matt W. I actually find that the parents. What a great
0: question, though.
3: Yeah, what a great question. I also found that a, a lot of the parents are very eager to talk with us and talk to reporters.
0: Yes. The, I mean, yeah, in certain situations. Sure. Uh, yes. Uh, in terms of relationship building, you know, it depends on how early on in the process it is. You know, I've met just this past spring and summer uh, parents that are. Uh, That have kids that are recruits in the 2027 class. They're not even in high school yet, right? So you know, at that point, I I don't really want to talk to your son in the context of recruiting or 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 anything because I don't want to add to the hype machine that is already started (laughs) at that point. And I just don't think it's beneficial to the kids. You know, I, I think it's beneficial for them to have information and to have expectations. Uh, from a journalism analyst write-up standpoint. And you know, really, just relationship is all about being being upfront with people, being fair with people and, and, and speaking to them uh, in a manner that's respectful and saying, okay, I'm going to write this story. this is what the story is going to be about, and I'm gonna get you that story. You're gonna read everything that's written about you by me on the site. And making sure they're just comfortable with that, uh, and, and being very transparent and open about it. And it's just you know, it's actions speak louder than words, and and, and they see you know what you're about, and you're not about gotcha quotes or or trying to make drama. Um, I uh, I think what was it last week we talked about Peyton Woodyard, and I was DMing with him, and uh and I had a typo in there. I was just saying, hey, you know, I don't want to create any drama. For your recruitment, you know, doing a, a USC review of uh, the visit, and um, instead of saying I, I don't want to stir up anything with Georgia fans, I accidentally didn't put not. And I, <laughs> I want, to stir, I want up. to stir up Georgia fans, and he had LOL, and I read it, and I go, oh, I understand what I meant. I didn't think he knew uh, <laughs> what I was what I was trying to say, but I was just, you know one of those things that I, I just. I don't care about that, right? I don't I don't want clicks. Um, I'm here uh, for the subs, for the people who have been here for years and years and years and followed our content and are here for quality and not just, you know, sort of a clickbait reaction type of articles. And and I think that allows you just to be honest and, and to write good, good solid pieces about people. But that's all that I can offer. That's all that I've ever offered. I, there's there's never any, um, yeah, here I could throw you a, a few bucks or, or buy you a lunch or whatever. I mean, that's, those are impermissible benefits, first and foremost. I know with the NIL era, you know, maybe there's more gray lines there than there ever have been. Um, but I don't really have anything to offer other than just a, an honest, um, you know, article that that reflects uh, a, a prospect's feelings or a parent's feelings on the process on USC and being able to articulate that and get that out uh, in in a way that uh, again it, it it puts them in a, in a positive light. So. At this point in time, in a high school football recruit's career, whether it be you know their sophomore year, junior year, or senior year, what I say when it comes to NIL and all this other stuff, because you do have some kids that that are asking for money for for interviews, for podcasts, and so it's happened already several times this year. And, and I understand they're trying to feel it out, like okay, who's going to give me what for what? Um, my time is valuable now, and 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 you know people say that for my name, my image, and my likeness. I should be paid for something, and and I don't disagree with that. But you do have to build your brand at some point. Like you have to find that avenue and those opportunities to pe- to, to to introduce yourself to people so they care about you. And you're in high school. I don't care if you're at day. I don't care if you're at some big high school or you're at some small high school. Some point, the 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 there's there's you know seventy six thousand people in the Coliseum. Guess what? We don't have seventy six thousand subscribers. On USCFootball.com. There's not 76,000 people on any site that is interested enough in high school football or high school football recruiting. It's a much smaller group, but that group is where you have to start. You have to start with the footprint at some point and build your brand. And then when you get to the point where there's those thousands of people that start to care about who you are, then you can parlay that into something that's going to monetize and be beneficial to you financially. But if you close doors, before anybody knows who you are, then nobody's going to really know who you are, and they're not going to, you know, jump at the chance to be able to make you part of their brand to represent their product or their service. So I always say, and I say always, but I mean that's kind of been if there's, you know, it's not really a sales pitch. It's just in terms of information, saying don't shut guys like me out. That you, I mean, you know, trust is, is always a big factor, and, and and giving your time to somebody that's going to make a worthwhile wild article out of it, but. Just in general, with that at this level, realize that you have an opportunity to build your brand right now, to become a custom, even outside of. Brand building, getting used to being on camera, being used to being interviewed, what you say. I'll give guys pointers. I mean, I'm always looking to make you look smart as a recruit or a parent. I'm not, you know, transcribing for court documents here. Uh, I understand, you know, what you're trying to get across from a meeting standpoint. I don't want to make you look bad. I don't want to make anybody look bad. I I certainly don't want to make a a future Trojan look bad for the fan base. So if there's anything that I can say to say, you know – When we talked about this, you know, maybe how you want to articulate it is this, or give them pointers from a media standpoint, from my perspective, to help them with that process. So using this process in high school to be able to build your brand, but also get accustomed to the media, get accustomed to doing interviews. Ryan did a great interview with uh, Xavier Jordan, where, you know, Xavier got a chance, probably one of the first times he's been on camera with a mic in front of him, talking about the recruiting process, just having that sort of comfortable conversation, that kind of stuff, people see that and they go, you know what? I like this kid. He's likable. He has a he has a nice personality. He's somebody that might be able to help me sell my product or my service. And so, you know, you got to do that at some point. And waiting until you get to college to do it, it, it you, you might be behind some other players that are already more comfortable doing it and have already put themselves out there to do it.
3: Okay, uh, I'm gonna jump to the chat really quick because we have. A mega donation from Moneybags Manford of $20 for a question. Thank you very much, Manford. We, we do have to stop and say thank you every time because
0: it's very appreciated. We don't expect it, but we do appreciate it.
3: Does Hurricane have any stories on Mitch Mustaine that he can share. share? I saw a documentary a few months back, and I thought it was interesting that he said – The juice on Mitch. He wants to get – That he mission. said he did not like Mark Sanchez and insinuate that he wasn't the only one.
0: That's the exact same question. I don't think
3: Manfred realizes he did ask this question. Before. I don't remember this. I it remember like a
0: vague Mitch Mustaine question. Poster. about this. and I, Unfortunately, I wish I could come through for the $20. <laughs> I don't have any real Mitch Mustaine uh stories and, Disdain, Mustain
3: Mustaine, and just, Mustaine just, disdain for Mark just, Sanchez.
0: I think it I mean, I never got any vibe from other players that they didn't like Mark Sanchez or like, you know, there was a a click there with Mark Sanchez. And Mark was um was uh roommates with Brian Cushing. And so I was tight with Brian and, and Brian's brother Mike and um you know, I mean, it always even even through, you know, all the rape allegations, and all that nastiness that Mark had to go through. Um, you know, they were they were they were good people and they were strong and they they got through it very positively. There wasn't like a lot of negativity within the team about that. You know, that would be a, a pile on point, you know, for for people if you didn't like uh, Mark Sanchez. And that came through, you know, people were, were always very positive about him and liked him. Um, now, Mitch was competing with him, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the quarterback position. And so I'm sure, you know, from that standpoint, maybe there was a little bit of, of comp- uh, competitiveness and, and what have you. Um, but now I didn't have any real, real stories about Mitch Mustaine. That, that question came up before. And I think back when it came up before, I cited. You know, Mitch was an interesting case because he came from that high school team that was coached by Gus Malzahn, which was this very interesting high school football team in Arkansas where that's where his his sort of wildcat, the wildcat offense was created, was, was with that high school team. And Damian Williams was another player on that high school football team. There was a bunch of guys from that high school football team. He had like, I think like six or seven guys signed which is not very normal for like Arkansas to have like a long beach poly year where you have a class of guys that's like 6 or 7 deep all go to division 1 schools. But he was on that team. It was uh, one of the one of the better high school football teams in the nation and they ran uh that interesting offense and, and had a lot of different looks and obviously Gus Malzon was able to uh you know turn that into a a college coaching career. But yeah, for Mitch didn't uh there wasn't um Anything. Mitch was another, just another really like highly rated quarterback in a a bunch of a line of highly rated quarterbacks for USC that we just, you know, John David Booty reclassified to come to USC. And it was like, that was before guys really reclassified ever. And you already had, you know, I think what was Matt Cassell, I think on the, on the, on the roster at that time, Matt Leinart. It was just like, dude. These guys are just stacking quarterbacks right now, and you know you'll see he'll get back to that it's 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 an interesting dynamic now because Lincoln Riley has had so much success with transfers, and you kind of wonder, okay, is that what is holding back some of these quarterbacks that they think they're just going to get picked over by a transfer because you know other schools are negatively recruiting, or is it, hey, you know, Lincoln Riley's gone with Caleb Williams, and uh, after the 2024 season, and that's why they're they're not coming around. There's 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 something obviously there, and we've heard rumblings of different things, but um, it's it's obviously not a huge concern for Trojan fans because the fact of the matter is he has been so successful with transfers it's like you know at the end of the day like if that's that's the 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 last resort it's okay because he's got three times winners that
3: have come from that same uh avenue of of uh of success hi guys still trying to get this answered this question answered gerard why would a running back with only three stars like brian jackson have offers from several powerhouse programs like usc alabama georgia notre dame etc or maybe a better question would be, why would a running back with seemingly so much potential and attention from such programs only have three stars? Curious about this one. Fight on, Guy Sir Eric of Troy. I feel like we've gotten this one or a variation of this question. Well,
0: actually, that would be really cool if we were, like, actually
3: reading um, questions from, like, two months ago. I didn't realize it. Um, no, no, no. These are all in the inbox. Uh, the
0: the the talk, you know, sometimes you hear your stars don't matter. Uh, the truth is offers don't matter. And kids get offered scholarships by Alabama. Alabama's got like 200-plus scholarships out. You know, They're only going to take 20, maybe 22 guys. They don't the mean a lot, as
3: we talked about.
0: They are flowers in a first date. They are an initial positive reaction, which is why you know when guys like Dijon Lee or Elijah Rushing, the five-star defensive end uh, from Tucson, Arizona, leave campus from USC without scholarship offer, you're like kind of stunned because these offers don't matter, man. Like, offer them a scholarship, get them thinking about USC, get them excited about USC. It's probably not going to make a big difference at the end of the day with Dejon Lee, um, but a guy like Elijah Rush, it seemed like USC got off on the wrong foot recruiting him because they had him on campus and they didn't offer him a scholarship. And then he turned around and blew up at the Under Armour camp, and uh, he had everybody's scholarship. And USC kind of came in a couple weeks after that. But it's like, dude, I mean, it's the ship is sailing already almost. At least making that first good First impression, you know, that's that's really the important thing is is making that good first impression. And that's what all those offers are. So they don't mean anything. Did Alabama really recruit Brian Jackson after they offered him a scholarship? Did they call him ever again? Maybe not. You know, USC has done that. USC has offered scholarships to kids, especially, you know, out of state. You're just trying to get your foot in the door. And they are not necessarily going to follow up with a lot of time and effort to recruit that particular prospect.
3: Uh, we have a $5 donation from Eduardo Hernandez. So Eduardo, thank you very much, Senator. Yeah a cilantro boy, if you will, but everyone who listens to our podcast is technically a cilantro boy. What's up to Kristen Gerard, and shout out to the 10k chat lol. Thank you very much, Eduardo. Yeah. Uh, first super chat from Eduardo. This he wants us to do another voicemail. That's correct. He's got the headphones ready. This is Ryan? Yes. Oh, okay. No, yeah, here we go. Another one. Let's hope this one comes in clear, too. No.
2: Messages for the uh, supercharged the Long Trail Boys show with uh, with Ryan on board today. Um, and I think a few weeks ago, but Chris, i to put uh, my voicemails on there anymore. Quick question uh, for uh, Gerald. Um, you mentioned that you thought the team had a good chance of getting to two sixty by the beginning of the football season. It um, you was know, before uh, all the trips we had with uh, the USP hat. same um, question. After, <laughs> yeah. after the
3: second, the first show, I answered this. It was this, this,
2: June. this I was wondering where was was I was do you think now? team can get to two eighty three high prior <laughs> to being?
3: The, uh, same, the same voicemail. It's the, it's the same question. He's just threats Said dominating uh, voicemails. I, I guess he got us back though because we didn't answer his question, and now we he made us look foolish. So congrats, <laughs> okay. to Eddie. What's you got right? us. Okay. So, but he brought up something. Okay, so something new. He said two hundred and sixty
0: was the projection. It, it wasn't two hundred and sixty. It was two hundred and sixty. You had two hundred and sixty on the thing. Really? Yeah. Because two hundred and sixty would right now they would be number two. Nationally, with
3: a rating of 260. Look, man, you had 260 on the thing. I remember it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Let's,
0: that, let's that would, say it in the middle. Let's say it to 22. That wouldn't make sense, though, if it was 260 then. Maybe it was because. because Michigan is just 260 now with 22 commits. That doesn't make sense. I think it was 160. I'd have to look up the the the, the chart. We're gonna go back to the history of it. It, it was it was top ten. But anyways, we answered that question. I think we we hit on the question in terms of you know what it's basically the same question that we got at the opening with Giovanni asking us what is the class going to look like? Yeah. Right? You know, what's what's the what's the ceiling for the class? It's top ten for sure. Uh, do they have the juice for you know having a five star somewhere in here to get into the top five? Because it's it's going to be tough, not impossible to be in the top five without a five star. And I just don't know where that guy's going to come from. I don't know if there's going to be a you know a safety recruit maybe somewhere along the lines uh, comes along. Maybe um, there's guys. There's some interesting things that that could definitely happen. Some guys that are committed to other schools, which you could have coaching changes. So. You know, we'll see how how that goes, but you don't have necessarily the franchise left tackle. Uh, that's a five star type guy. Uh, you don't have uh, the five star interior guy, um, and you don't have the quarterback. You know, and that's those are usually things that could push you over in a particular class. Which is a lot of reason why people thought that that 2023 class was going to potentially be a generational type class. Um, because they had already uh, Malachi Nelson and Zach Branch, and they already had five stars, you know, like before the year even started, right? Coming coming out of t- 2021, you know, going into 2022, those guys were already committed. So um, that helps. That really definitely helps, you know, get you to those higher rankings. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if uh, something changes. But yeah, for sure, top 10. And, that, and then we felt like USC could do that. With twelve, with really like 12-14 commits, uh, it felt like USC would be top 10. And so they've hit on that. They've gotten some guys that we didn't think they were going to get. So yeah, the ceiling is a little bit higher. It could
3: push up closer to the top five. I just don't think they're going to be top five right now. This one comes from 1977 Trojan from San Juan Capistrano. Greetings and salutations to Chris and Gerard. How important is it for the 2024 recruiting class to get a quarterback? Our latest target, Elijah Brown, is trending towards Stanford and UCLA. Thank you in advance for your answer and for the great work you do with your timely articles and the renowned two-star podcast fight on. Thank you, 1977 Trojan. We're back in time with these questions. We, well, we just, we just mentioned how it is important from an optics standpoint in a class to have kind of that – a quarterback is typically your Pied Piper of mm-hmm. the class. you got to be that quote-unquote leader but as we mentioned with Walter Matthews and his comments not Walter Mathau, that USC Lincoln Riley will not be going after a quarterback in the 2025 24 class so is it that important no not really because technically they could have still three quarterbacks on the roster depending on what Miller Moss does but even still Lincoln Riley will have no trouble getting a quarterback out of the transfer portal if you wanted to. So in the long run, it's not really that big of a deal. I know it's it's scary not having a quarterback in the class because you want to stack and stack and stack. But if there's not someone Lincoln Riley wants to go and push for and pursue and put those resources and time into to recruit, then you know he's he's a pretty good judge of uh, quarterback talent. So I think you would have to trust his judgment there that then maybe he can get one down the line in the transfer portal.
0: Yeah, I think – you know, if you get Dylan Riola, his personality, being the number one quarterback in the nation, that's a sort of cornerstone recruit for a class. DJ Langway, kind of. Uh, I think DJ still coming into his own. I think he's tremendously talented and he would fit USC's offense tremendously well. But as a sort of go-getter um, class wrangler, I don't know if he's that guy necessarily – what you have to look at is, would Elijah Brown be that guy? And I don't think so. Elijah's pretty quiet. He's a pretty unassuming kid. Um, certainly, it, it, it might help them to some extent at modern day, you know, it, it, You know, having, um, you know, the, the the quarterback that's winning all those games at your high school, teammate, going on to USC and they're beating some type of lineage there. But again, not necessarily a guy. That's uh, Matt Barkley type, right? Um, so, it, yeah, if it's not like the five-star guy because he's the quarterback and at USC, I mean, there's very few guys that they've recruited that haven't been five-star guys. Uh, there have been a few. Caden uh, Slovis was one of those guys. And when he was being recruited, we kind of looked at him as a stopgap. And the next thing you know, he's ready to start. And it was like, wow, I guess we really, really underrated Caden Slovis. No. Um so, yeah, most of the guys that uh, end up being, you know, those, those, those guys that supplement those big-time classes that USC brings in recruiting, they're five-star type guys and they're very sort of like Max Brown. Um, they're very gregarious and they're, they're, they're leaders – on and off the field. And it helps you recruit. And also, once again, is like a cornerstone for that recruiting class. So when you don't have that, it makes it tougher, you know, being at the top with uh, the recruiting rankings. It, it it always seems like those years where USC doesn't recruit a quarterback, it's more difficult for them um, to be able to climb up the rankings uh, quite as much. So yeah, that's, that's the, the, the kind of short, you know, version of it is, um, you're not uh, you're you're not going to have an elite class if you don't have elite players at certain positions, whether you need them or not. And that's that that's the thing. You, within context, it's not a big deal because you don't necessarily have needs at those positions. And so like Chris said, three quarterbacks in the roster is, is pretty good. Like that's not a, that's not a big thing. It, it seems like Lincoln
3: kind of wants to have four guys in the roster,
0: uh, but three is 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 plenty for
3: most most schools. If we can get. Five more likes, we'll reach 100, and then I'll drop the little special news about what's coming next for Composite Two-Star Recruits. So just five more likes, and we're there at 100. Uh, Gerard, we have just three more questions here. I mean, one is a multi-part, so it's tricky, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, this one comes from Coach B. couple D-line questions for you. If you covered one, feel free to skip it. If there are a few pods I listen to while working, I may miss missed this segment. Uh, number one, when did T.A. Cunningham move to Miami, and is he still in consideration? He moved about after the spring because he was at the Under Armour camp, still in California, and then shortly after that, he announced his decision to head to Florida to play uh, out there, and no, he I would say he is not still under consideration. Two, no. uh, any updates on Jericho Johnson from NorCal? We talked a little bit about him that we expect him to take a visit during the season. Yeah. And they're still on there. Probably need to check up, check back in with him, but yes, yeah, still a target for Sean Nua and this defensive line class. Is Aiden Breland, a realistic hope. We talked a little bit about this, you know, don't be surprised if USC can maybe get a visit in season as well. Kind of like Jericho Johnson, realistic hope. I still think there is hope, but uh, we'll have to see. Is that yeah. they yeah, they
0: gotta they gotta do some things with him. Um I wouldn't put a lot of hope
3: on it.
0: <laughs> I guess that's the best way to put it
3: without getting into it. Uh number four, am I crazy or did Cilantro Boy potential Oscar Trevino move up? In the edge rankings from number 127 to edge ranked number 126, I seem to remember him being rated a 78 overall, and now he has a 79. Is GM on the road in Laverne doing spring evals? Any two-star updates you got would be amazing. Get that man a scholarship offer in a two-star composite NIL deal ASAP. Can we call it the two-star bump? Can we call it the, the, the cilantro boy bump?
0: He gets an offer from the cilantro boys and he's automatically four stars. Yeah, I, I think. Are you trying to, are you trying to, to, to uh,
3: play into what Nick Saban was implying in his interview with Joe Platt? I am not. I, I, just, I just try to show the love to a, a two star cilantro boy with the last name that uh, I share with well. him. Yeah, I was in Laverne um, at the beginning of the spring. Oh, so maybe he was a little bit uh, Eve Allen out there. Uh, we have a similar D line question from the Dan. I got this one on the Peristyle. Inbox. Uh is there multiple year is multiple years of not being able to recruit defensive tackles from high schools a truly sustainable model? Also, does SC take a run at JJ and Breland in the fall? I believe that's Jericho Johnson and Breland. Yes. We expect Jericho Johnson to absolutely have a run uh for USC and then as Gerard just mentioned with Breland, USC needs to do some things, but we wouldn't be surprised if Maybe they sneak in a visit for him in during the fall, an official visit. Uh, but not being able to recruit defensive tackles in high school, is that a truly sustainable model? I do not think so because we never know what's going to hit the portal. You never know what's going to be offered up in there.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's been a model that USC has used more years than not, um, even before Lincoln and Riley. It's hard to get. Good defensive tackles out of high school because you're not having a lot of good defensive tackles on the West Coast. So you have to go out of state. And that kind of goes back to the whole, you know, you're building a wall around uh, your local recruiting and. You know, best first best player versus you know, local player sort of thing. Um, if you don't have any guys locally that you feel confident that you can develop then, yeah, you've got to go out of state. You're forced to go out of state after somebody. And it's just always difficult. It's always hard, particularly with defensive linemen. They tend to be uh, mama's boys, and they just don't want to leave home very often. So it's, uh, it's difficult because there's just not a lot of inherent talent locally to be able to get guys. Now, you know, that's a little different because you've got Aiden Breeland, who's, you know, a five-star defensive tackle that is local and not looking at USC. So I'm sure that's what inspired the question. USC's got to get some guys. Um, But the portal does give you an advantage that Pete Carroll did not have. You know, Pete Carroll didn't have the ability to get transfers without them having to sit out a year and what have you. And so we're going to see how that evolves. If, If USC is content with that particular position, because as I said at the beginning of the podcast, that position lends itself to transfers, to plug-and-play type players. There's not a lot of scheme involved. Um, if you can uh, go out there and be a meast and just dominate people and get upfield, uh, you're probably going to play. And so uh, they may be able to go harder into the portal at that one position and make that their portal position. And obviously you can pepper in some more players. I think we were asked a couple of weeks ago, you know, what's the, what's the ratio, you know, when you get it going on the, uh, on the, on the high school trail and you're able to get full classes in the high school trail, how many guys are you looking to get out of the portal? And I think it's three or four, you know, maybe five, just depends on the year. depends who's available. depends on how much room you have, but I think that's really what you're looking at. I, I don't think if you can get guys out of high school and you can develop your culture at that level that you still want to bring in, you know, 15 guys out of the portal. It doesn't seem like that's what's happening with Georgia. It's not happening with Alabama. It's not happening with any of those teams at the top.
3: And our last question from the email batch comes from Ted from Manhattan Beach. Hi, guys. Hoping you hoping today will be in a three-hour mid-range podcast. I think we're well over that. Well, you're, probably because of the, the the technical difficulties that we had on the outset. I don't know how many how, – how long have we been going? I think we're approaching four hours. Yeah. Uh, you're both doing a great job. Noted Thank that you. Kevin Hayward commit. What uh, Wisconsin is visiting this weekend? Any smoke here? I think that's an outdated thing. Yeah, he's, I don't think he's going to be visiting. Yeah, he's uh, not going to be visiting. Uh, we we should double check on that, but
0: Correct. probably not. Probably just didn't get uh, updated in in the database. Sometimes there's other riders that put those uh, visits in there, and I gotta check periodically to to make sure. We need one that accurate. says cancels visit. Yeah. Only one that says cancels. They do have you know commits and then they have a decommit list, right? So that's always handy to see who actually you know decommitted from a school, which is interesting because a lot of people forget about that through the process. You know, you forget you know that guy was actually committed to USC for a while before he went somewhere else.
3: Yeah. One player that I've not heard much about from their recent official visit, Darian Mayo. Any thoughts about him as a player, if if as a player and potential to be a member of this class? Talked a little about Mayo. Seems like Clemson is the team Clem- trending. Trending, yeah. yeah, yeah. But we both like him as a a guy who can kick inside, six foot seven.
0: I mean, he's got this big frame. Um, haven't you know seen him in person or anything? Uh, an interesting project, and I think it's interesting. Just you know, overall looking at this class, even when you we talk about the offensive line with uh, a guy like Jason Zandamella, and then you have a mess at Tite. Those are both projects and USC kind of stayed away from that, you know, and, and stayed away from NIL and stayed away from a lot of things in this class. They've been more aggressive and they've certainly been more willing um, to take some waivers out on some kids. And so, know with the offensive line, you got two guys that are, that are very raw. They haven't played a whole lot of football relative to some of the other guys uh, in the class. And so, um, yeah, I think uh, that's, that's something that's, Uh, it's just a little something to kind of keep an eye on, you know, the evolution of, of them trying to, again, kind of build culture out of the high school football ranks, as opposed to
3: bring in a bunch of mercenaries from other colleges. And the final question, lastly, a 247 analyst recently has put in a crystal ball from Marquise Lightfoot to Ohio state. Do you think we still have a legitimate contender for this recruit? Thanks. Keep up the good work and fight
0: on. You know, I'll be honest. I I don't know. Um, I was told again about, I do know. This is probably a couple of weeks out from his official visit that USC was a long shot, you know, but again, I was pretty much led to believe that USC was a long shot for Cameron uh, Fountain, uh, that USC was somewhat of a long shot for Manasseh Etete, uh, not as much, but, but still, you know, a guy that looked like he was going to go to Florida State and uh, things changed in a hurry. So you know like the the vibe is still Ohio State and I haven't really gotten any indication that things have necessarily changed but I haven't really gotten a lot of info one way or the other either so you know I don't want to necessarily say yeah sure USC has no chance um I know originally it seemed like folks in that region felt like USC was a real long shot and that he was going elsewhere but uh it was always Ohio State I, I felt like Michigan at some point was talked about a lot too so you know, again, sometimes people make assumptions. Sometimes it's a regional thing. You see, you can take a bunch of unofficial visits to one school, and the assumption is that oh, he, he's going to go to that school. You know, Jordan Lockhart, uh, Jason Mitchell. There's those guys that have crystal balls, and people saying that they're going to this school, that school. I mean, there was one point last year where we thought. Uh, Jordan Lockhart and Peyton Woodyard might be flipping for USC. I mean, we got some decent information coming from the Osco saying, hey, you better watch this like these dudes are they're feeling it, you know, they're feeling the turnaround and they're and they're excited and they're surprised about it. Um but at the end of the day, you know, <laughs> that, that 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 didn't happen and you have to uh look at things outside of that sort of, sort of uh, emotional um uh <laughs> The prism, you know, like it and, and again this is kind of sort of with like uh with Taylor Tatum coming right off the Oklahoma visit. If if there's some some time away from that visit, then you sort of get a little more of an idea of what's fact from fiction, you know, what's fact from hey, just really enjoyed the visit and gave uh the baseball coaches good vibes, gave the football coaches good vibes. He had a good time, you know, he's appreciative. You know, you want to make sure that it's not just that and it's actual
3: like, oh, yeah, you know what? This has changed uh, what I'm looking for in a school and what's important to me. And that wraps up listener questions. Maybe if there's some quick questions in the chat, we can like rapid fire them. But the big announcement, because we did reach uh, the likes, 109 likes, which thank you so much for for doing that. And all the people that stuck around despite the audio. Uh, issues and all that uh, I appreciate it We appreciate it uh, I just want to say the next uh, uh, Evolution For season 2 We got the new uh, uh, Image card for our, our podcast right. That We've had that We, we had the uh, the uh, new intro Which I unveiled the second week And the next thing for season 2 Is merch I had two Podcasts Designs made up. Uh, one of them is a very standard one. One another one is a little bit out there. So uh, hopefully we have those up for sale soon. I'm still in the process of getting that done, but I have two design designs. I went out, talked to someone who is a design specialist, and made those up for us. So I'm really excited. Gerard has not seen them. I'm probably gonna be horrified when I show them <laughs> off, but. I'm very excited. So, if you would love merch and you want to support this podcast by purchasing some merch, you can now do that. And a lot of people have told us that they're we are their favorite podcast. So, I'm excited for them to be able to put Just us on like, their bodies. Yeah, to show to show it on the street and put it out there and let them know that you're not a filthy casual because you went out and you bought a shirt or a hoodie from Composite Two Star Recruit. So proves it. That proves it. So, very excited about that. Uh, I'm not seeing any kind of questions come in. Uh, we do have one from Carter Monroe. How many safeties is USC taking? USC would take three safeties.
0: At this point in time, um, they may only have two during the summer. Again, it depends on what happens with Peyton Woodyard, whether you know he, he – He kind of wants to make a – it's it's weird because he's committed to Georgia still, right? So he's already made a decision. He's talked about wanting to kind of end the process by the end of the summer. But, you know, again, if USC keeps recruiting him, um, at the end of the year we'll see. You know, if if he's looking to decommit from Georgia, if he's decommit from Georgia and committed to Ohio State, whatever the heck happens with him. But um, I think with Miles Davis, you know, that was always sort of, okay – you know, we're, we we're feeling, uh, the emojis, uh, floating around, uh, in our stomachs, but is it real? Is it real love or is it just emoji love? And it's, it's is turning out to be emoji love and he's gonna probably end up a longhorn. So
3: Is it real? Uh,
0: yeah, that the you know, the idea like, okay, you know, uh USC is is dropping Miles Davis so it could take Peyton Woodyard is no, uh that's not that's not what's happening. Uh USC had shot at Peyton Woodyard. I mean I think they showed him an awful lot and it would definitely help if they could reel in Kingston and uh, Valiamuasa. Uh that would help, I think more so even than getting Marcellus Williams committed, you know. I think uh that uh, would would have more sway over Peyton Woodyard. So we'll see how that shakes out. But um, you could also look at um, Sione uh, Lalea as a potential, again, tweener, sort of corner, safety, you know, those type of things. Those lines get blurred a lot when you're talking about defensive back. You know, there there are the guys that are the pure corners, uh, like Dakota Fields, and Xavier Brown, but there's also you know those guys that even in the past class like Malachi Crawford or when they were going after Warren Roberson or uh, Braxton Myers, those type of players. I mean Traquan Figgins to me is a, a bit of a trainer. I don't know that he's a pure corner. Um, I don't know if I see that type of top end speed from him to be a guy that you go okay, cool, he's 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 like a corner all the way through. You know, you might want to put him over inside the slot just depending on the matchup. So yeah, we'll see you know how those guys develop physically, but right now they got two. Uh, solid corners you know I think uh, Marcellus uh, a corner but he can move inside and play some nickel as well um, him as a safety prospect like if he could be a safety prospect just from a physicality standpoint I, I feel like he is not quite there with his brother from that standpoint his brother even at Sarah High School was a dude that could form tackle people in open space pretty pretty nicely wouldn't you agree yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. He's probably played cornerback, but he was freaking – I mean, there's just very few people, very few players that I've seen that have that type of football IQ and just seem to make those type of plays. And he's a football player. He's just a, a, a great football player. And um, I think Marcellus is a bit more of a coverage guy. and He can do more of those things in man coverage and what have you. And because he has a little more height, probably not as limited in his matchups.
3: Uh, our last question comes from Like James, yes or no? What do you think, Gerard? Do we go after Nate Fraser from Modern Day of Tatum, commits to Oklahoma? What's this "we" stuff, white man? Um, I I don't
0: think so. I mean, USC sort of doubled down and had an opportunity to kind of recruit him at the end of summer, or, or excuse me, at the end of spring. Um, come in, you know, out of like the, the main evaluation process, which you know, you see guys in person more, and they were just weren't in contact with him. So, um, you know, does something happen during the season where that changes, and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, we need to get involved with this guy? Does it even matter at that point? It might be a moot point at that point. <laughs> uh, he might have uh, made his determination on schools, and and you know, I will say this Nate Frazier grew up a USC fan, you know, he's a guy that's, uh, Grew up, you know, not too far away from the Coliseum, and has always looked at USC as being. I mean, he told me USC is always going to be there because they're the hometown school and what have you. Now he told me that like in February, um, but uh, certainly it just doesn't seem like they're 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 pivoting in that direction. If they do pivot, seems like more of a maybe Derek McFaul, um, you know, Nate Palmer, who is another guy that they're involved with. Subsequently, so like I mean, it's TCU, yeah, sorry, yeah, it has to be from Texas, basically. It, it, it looks like, um, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, it's like the quarterback position; you can never uh, completely eliminate the possibility of a Jackson Dart just coming out of nowhere and just like having an insane year. It's like, dude. Yeah, we got to recruit them. Um, we have quarterback already. Well, figure it out. <laughs> so it <laughs> got figured out, and they took Jackson Dart. So yeah, that, there's always that possibility that we're not taking a quarterback in 2024 class changes.
3: All right, that is going to wrap another edition of the 2 Star Recruits live. Despite all the technical difficulties, we are done. We got through it. Sorry about the audio for the live viewers, but we hope the podcast. Makes up for that, especially with the length. But again, this is the Composite Two-Star Recruits. I'm Gerard. Nope. <laughs> I'm Chris. That's Gerard. Ryan Abraham is literally behind the camera right now. He's not drinking a beer right now. He has not cracked one over him. But we will catch you next time on Composite Two-Star Recruits. <laughs>